1: Hi, guys. Welcome back to the show. Today, we have a guest on who is a friend of Jennifer Neese. So, you know, we are in good hands because Jennifer Neese celebrated guest of the show, one of my favorite minds. She introduced me to two of her friends, Brooke and Sarah, who host a Twitch show called Heartthrob, which is, or yeah, I think it's called Heartthrob. They, where they- throb, they just Throb. Throb, Okay. And they play the 80s game Heartthrob where you go through all these different hunks and you pick who would be your dream date. So my guest today is Sarah from that show. Brooke's going to come on soon, hopefully. And we're doing a movie, which is the stupidest movie we've ever done on this show. (laughs) It is like unbelievable. It's in a, a league of its own. It's called Inspector Mom starring Winnie Cooper herself, Danica McKellar, math expert. Sarah, I'm so excited to do this episode with you. I'm
2: so excited to talk about all of this.
1: So I picked this movie just because I was like, oh, she's a mom. Like, this will be fun. And I hadn't seen it. And I, I guess now that I looked through the IMDb, it's sort of coming back to me that this was a series. And this was Danica McKellar's return to acting after going to school to be a mathematician.
2: Mm, Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. It did feel very, um, like it was a series smushed into one little film.
1: Yeah. I assumed it was like a backdoor pilot and that the show might've been born from this, but I think it started out as a TV movie called inspector mom. That was the first one that was about Tara, her daughter's, soccer coach being involved and oh, in sort of okay. Time. And then this was a movie that came out in 2007 which I think they might have hoped would buy another season of the show which seems to be like 60 minute or you know 45 minute episodes of television. Some of the um episode descriptions from Inspector Mom. I looked it up. Um the corpse <laughs> costume Oh. With the kids and Craig out of town, Maddie is left with nothing to do but cover a local fashion show. With vegan designers, arson, and murder, this is anything but Milan. And then there's the mystery of Mrs. Plumley. Maddie's neighbor, Mrs. Plumley, has always seemed like a nice older woman, but then she starts having accidents that might be intentional, and Maddie's not so sure she doesn't deserve it.
2: Oh, that sounds promising.
1: And then. Casualty Friday. Wait, what? (laughs) Casualty Friday. You know, like a casualty. Got you, got you. Maddie goes undercover at a local office to track down an expose on sexual harassment. But when the lecherous boss is killed, it's up to Maddie to solve the murder. Who did it? The creep origami obsessed cubicle buddy? The ovary cherry tent manager? The wine obsessed second in command? I'm thinking it's none of them, to be Uh, honest.
2: Well, after watching this movie, I'm going to go ahead and say you're probably right.
1: So the the logline, I guess, for this movie is set against the backdrop of the latest craze, ballroom dancing. Maddie Monroe must discover the identity (laughs) of dangerous kidnappers and bring them to justice before her best friend becomes their next target. Or next victim, sorry. So this movie came out in 2007 which is when I think couples were spicing up their relationship with dance classes
2: okay all right I was really I was wondering why this wasn't just about somebody taking ballroom dance or like a ballroom dance instructor because it was definitely the most important aspect of the whole movie it felt like and I was like why is she a mom why is she writing a column I don't I, okay, I'm here.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the bigger picture, I believe, just the context clues at this point is that this is like a small town Encyclopedia Brown style mystery show where all of these little local crimes happen. It's like Encyclopedia Brown meets murder, she wrote. Got you, yeah. If I had to guess. Um, But yeah, so the fashion in this is just- (laughs) (laughs) This is is really- really
2: what i want to talk about because it i did not realize that we used to wear boot cut capris we but did we did
1: yep clam diggers heavy presence of that and then a lot of like citron and like chartreuse colors were coming up in this for me oh yes it really is a nightmare, like, what that fashion was around then, especially for women of a certain age, meaning moms. It was bad.
2: Yes. Yeah, very unforgiving. Like, everything was low-rise, boot-cut, very body-hugging t-shirt material. And that's pretty challenging to work with, especially postpartum.
1: Yeah. And... um You know, the other thing about this is there's some great jewelry choices. This era was very accessories driven.
2: Mm, Yes. Claire's had a renaissance.
1: So, you know, the one thing that I really love about this movie as well is how much hardcore branding there is in it. And it makes sense because of... The fact that this is a television show, because normally in Lifetime movies, they've started to pick up on product placement very recently. Like it'll be a daughter telling her mom about some murder that happened at her high school, and like there'll be a Dawn dish soap in the background that's almost too recognizable. But because this was a TV series that aired on Lifetime, they had so much product placement. You'll hear some of it, but. You know, there's a, a full blown gateway computer at the end of this. There's um, the husband works for Southwest Airlines, which shocked me that they named an airline that he worked for. Oh wow, I missed that. Um, frosted mini wheats are a big point of contention in the home. At some, I point.
2: did not miss that because okay, like I'll save it, but that that's why I have a theory that this was sort of a dystopian alternate timeline so like what kid asks for frosted mini meats for their after dinner treat that's not not, that's not the best one to go for if you're gonna get trash cereal for dessert
1: although night cereal is its own category i think of food like night cereal is definitely a thing oh i
2: agree
1: um i love a night cereal i just got some quaker oat squares that shit slaps hey it's one of the best it's up there. Cracklet O'Bran. Yes,
2: those are both S tier night serials. Any day, anytime serials.
1: So um, let's just get into this movie and have some fun with it. I will tell you guys that I do not know the names of most of these characters. I've watched this movie twice. I've spent some time with it. I even have the IMDB page open so I can do my best to sort of track who is who. But this is another one of those movies that we sometimes get on here where some of the main actors don't even have photographs on IMDb. So unless you, like, miss their name, you're going to have a hard time figuring out who's who once you even get over to the IMDb. Plus, you know, a lot of these people, I don't know if they've really worked too much since um, in roles that you would know. Uh, The woman who plays Regina was in... (laughs) sci-fi stuff. And that seems about right for most of the actresses in this movie. Um so let's start by just going through it. So we open up on some ballroom dancing class and we find out that Maddie is watching, you know, from the side and she's definitely working on a mystery. We know she's an inspector. So she gets this man to dance with her and she asks him to dip her and that's when she gets to see I guess a crime Um, we're not, I never saw the crime personally, but we, I guess some man stole a necklace off of a woman's neck at some point. Yes,
2: we do. On second rewatch, I saw the necklace on his dance partner's neck.
1: Now, would you describe this dance hall as like an elk's lodge sort of place? (laughs) I mean, it does look a little bit to me like it'd be in a strip mall, but it's in a freestanding building. It's a little bit of an office space slash banquet hall. It's difficult to know what this is. I just know that I would never go there.
2: Yeah, it's a little bit like a church gym situation.
1: Yes, that's definitely. Okay, there you go. So they find a diamond necklace in his pocket when they get outside. The cops are all there. And... The owner of the dance studio congratulates Maddie on being clever enough to know that this guy was the one that stole the necklace. And she's like, well, I'm not surprised because only the best magicians are invited to the tarot club (laughs) and time, he steps in fresh cement to clean his shoes before he wears them. A nice scrub brush will do the trick. So we find out that this guy has been a student there for weeks and they were able to track him down there because... There was a fo- like a footprint in wet cement, which is just like <laughs> letting me you know the level of mystery we're coming in on here. <laughs> it was a jazz shoe, a Latin jazz shoe, because it has a thicker heel, which makes a deep impression. And she says, I'm a woman. I know shoes.
3: <laughs> yes. <sighs>
1: He she hands Ramon, the owner of the place, the necklace and tells him to give it back to the nice lady before she notices it's missing, which like why this looks like, you know, some real like great Muppet caper jewels like they. it looks Oh, like yes. Not something you just loose, like freehand hand to a, a guy that owns a stand studio.
2: Oh, no, 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 no.
1: I don't think it needs to go into evidence, but if I was her, I would at least make sure that the woman got it from me.
2: Well, and that was even confusing because we barely saw the necklace on the woman's neck and then we're like, oh, you should have known better than to step into wet cement in front of a jewelry store. And I was like, wait, why are jewel thief magicians bringing their stolen booty to tango classes like I was confused until I I had to watch it twice to figure out like, oh, okay. She's been tracking him for a while. Got it.
1: And he, did he like stalk the lady to the tango class? They, none of
2: that was clear. Um, (laughs) I guess we were just establishing that Winnie Cooper was multi-talented and multifaceted.
1: So she says that she has to go pick up her kids from karate. Um, and the detective that she works with Campbell, this I think was like, a will they, or won't they, that they were teasing because there's a couple moments where he gives her some soft eyes and, you know, he's a little bit in love with her, but I would hate to think that she would ever cheat on her husband, Craig.
2: Yeah. I mean, by, by the middle of their working together, I was like, Oh wait, she looks wistful. (laughs) She's looking wistfully at him. What happened? What happened with these two?
1: Right. Like, I think that they were trying to get the audience who was hopefully going to follow Inspector Mom season two to really get behind this ship, which is, you know, I always appreciate that in television. As someone who watched Pretty Little Liars with a microscope, I really appreciate ship baiting.
2: Yes, yes. Always gives you like a, a B plot to hang on to.
1: So Campbell's like, you know, what are you going to do? You're in a sequin dress. And she's like, it's called changing in the car. <laughs> so, you know, she's just a mom. She's out here doing her best. She probably has granola bars in her purse. Let's play this clip. Uh, it's about 10 seconds long where she explains that, you know, she's just a, a mom and a detective. 324 to 337. My name's Maddie Monroe. I'm a wife, a reporter, a mother,
4: and a part-time crime solver. Yeah, it's a rough job, but someone's got to do it.
1: The motherhood, that is. The crime solving is easy. So you're a mom. Do you agree with that? Wow. <laughs> I'm just a mom.
2: Um, I uh, <laughs> This was so hard for me. I feel like I just don't. Okay, this is where I really try to figure out, like, who is this for? Because... It's so hard to relate to TV moms when TV moms are good at everything because I, where did she struggle? Like, where was the struggle in this? So, but yeah, I mean, being a mom is really difficult, but I don't think I've had to solve crime at the same time. So who's to say, who's to say, Molly?
1: In all fairness, I don't think she's the greatest at solving crime. I don't (laughs) want to, like, hate on her because I know she's got a lot on her plate. And we're going to play a clip in a second that will tell you just how much she has to do in a day. But, you know, I don't think she's a very good detective. I feel like I knew what was going on pretty much right away. And I know you have to have all your evidence set up, but I just, you know, I kind of doubt that she's that great of a detective. (laughs)
2: okay that's fair that's fair
1: so the name of this mystery is kidnapped in 10 easy steps um this clip 439 to 512 will tell us a little bit more about her backstory
4: that was fun i hadn't tangoed since college who would have thought i'd get to dust off my ballroom dancing shoes for this job oh Let me explain. I write a weekly column called Inspector Mom, where I help moms solve the everyday mysteries of motherhood. But I have a taste for the not-so-everyday mysteries of crime-solving, which my editor loves me for. And my husband wishes didn't exist. No worries, though. I'm very careful, and I always do those stories undercover.
1: Hey, a girl's gotta have her hobby. Okay, so... (laughs) I feel bad that Craig is not supportive of his wife who's doing it all. He treats her a little bit like she's Lucy, like she got into something when he was out at work and he has to deal with it.
2: Yes. I did not. I did not believe their marriage at all.
1: I know it's tough because I feel like Craig seems like a guy that would cheat. Like He seems like he's very loyal to her, but he also likes to keep her on a short leash. She's out doing puddle jumpers all day. I would love to know what his flight path was.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. He he's in and out a lot. So, I mean, hence maybe the like yearning wistful gaze to the other the homicide detective.
1: I feel like he might do like Chicago to Akron.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, he's, I mean, definitely continental, like.
1: Yeah, I mean, because what's a puddle jumper for these people? And also, what part of the country do you think this is in?
2: Oh, I looked it up. I don't remember why I wanted to know, but I wanted to know it was filmed in Texas. Really? Yes.
1: (laughs) That is a curveball for a lifetime, because I think they usually do it in Canada, obviously. Sometimes they'll do it in Burbank, but for the most part, they stick to, you know, Philadelphia sometimes, Georgia, the states where you get a nice tax return for doing it there, a nice little break.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was Texas. So maybe wow. it's going to have to fact check me, but I remember looking it up.
1: Well, that maybe explains the people without IMDb pictures. Maybe they're local hires. Oh,
2: yeah. Filming locations. Let's see. Dallas, Texas. Oh, that's it. Yeah. No others listed.
1: So maybe he's doing Dallas to Houston flights. Is that a thing? Uh, I mean, Texas is big.
2: So I could see from Dallas to Dallas or um, Dallas to Vegas.
1: Wow. What a man. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Maddie pulls over and she puts on a hoodie. Um, I guess that's her changing her clothes. And when she pulls over, she sees this man on the side of the road. And he's talking to his wife Melanie, who's being held hostage. Um, and he fa- we find out he followed the instructions. There's no cops there, and you know she's. I don't know if it's clear that she can't really pick up on the dialogue that's happening but he goes inside of a building and he finds his wife tied up with a bandana over her eyes and he gets her out of there and she's like oh i'm fine no one did anything to me um so maddie witnessed all of that and then at home the next day she's teaching her daughter how to do fractions by cutting up a pizza and her daughter tara is like being a little cunt about the whole thing i don't know if you know <laughs> oh, there's a oh, moment no. where the sun gets up and she's like you're not an astronaut just because you're wearing a headset and he's like yeah I am and she's like no you're not and you know I understand this is how brothers and sisters fight but I'm like let him be an astronaut you know
2: yeah let him live his dreams
1: How does he that doesn't happen- have he
2: doesn't have anyone else paying attention to him he has to be an astronaut to get any kind of attention in this house
1: and I will tell you, I apologize in it, or I guess I apologize for previously ca- calling Tara a cunt. I am <laughs> a little bit hard on child actresses in these movies. And I think it's because I don't think they should be acting.
2: Got you. I, yeah, I can agree with that.
1: But then, of course, we have Winnie Cooper. And, you know, it would be weird almost if she refused to work with child actresses as she was one herself. Yeah. Did you watch Wonder Years growing up?
2: I did, actually. I'm the right demographic age-wise. I did watch all of Wonder Years growing up.
1: I remember it premiering, and I must have been like five, because we were living in my Aunt Sarah's house. And so I got to watch TV Later because my mom would be out like waitressing or whatever. And I remember the premiere of Wonder Years and how it was such a big sensation. And I followed that show for years. I love Fred Savage. He actually directed the first episode of television I ever wrote. Oh and wow. I was kind of devastated when Twitter was arguing about whether or not he was a Republican a couple <laughs> weeks ago during the Princess <sighs> Pride thing, which by the way, I have to tell you the honest answer. I don't know if he's a Republican or not. I would think not because he's really chill. But sometimes it's the Republicans in Hollywood that sneak by you.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, if somebody... You never know. Depending on how like financially successful someone has been, it's... You never know until they tell you.
1: For sure. Now, okay, so the Winnie Cooper of it all. I love that Danica McKellar went to college after her acting career and i kind of i kind of don't love that she came back i like the nod diffractions her teaching her daughter how to cut yes it. i caught that um but I, you know, I felt like a little weird about it because I'm like, you're above this. And while we missed her, I liked that she moved away from us for a while.
2: Same. I I was actually surprised that she was the star for this because I didn't know that she'd gone back to acting. And I had always been like, oh, yeah, Winnie Cooper was so cool. She ended up being like a math whiz and... Teaching girls to do math and encouraging them not to be scared of, you know, being a smarty pants with math. That's rad. Uh, I was totally unaware that she was still like doing Hollywood stuff.
1: I mean, shout out fractions. I don't know that she's really doing um, any acting. Let me see what her IMDb says she's up to. I think this this was like her brief retreat back to acting. It is. Oh, go ahead.
2: Uh, I was gonna say I only know. Didn't she do Dancing with the Stars? Or she I think, did. and I only know that because <laughs> I actually, for most of my life, wasn't sure how to pronounce her name and would call her Danica. Okay, because we're. I mean, I grew up with Tanika and Tamika, not Tanika and Tamika. So I had to make sure before I recorded this. Okay, okay, let me find a clip where they say her name, so I can make sure that I say it right. And she was doing like a plug for Dancing with the Stars.
1: I like the name Danica. The only other girl I know in real life named Danica is like a real cool bitch, and she is an actress. So I've always really liked that name. It's a uh, great name. Yeah, but it was definitely I think for her it was an un- it was an unusual name at the time um to have that name. So, okay, did you feel weird about her having Winnie Cooper's face but as an adult?
2: <laughs> yes. Yes, it was a little challenging for me. And then my husband walked in when I was doing a rewatch and he was like, "Wait, who does she look like? Lifetime always gets like the actress that looks like another actress and I was like, "No, dude, that's Winnie Cooper." And he was like, "Oh, right, right, right." Yeah, yeah, it is.
1: Yeah, she still has her like big blue eyes and like her pretty little mouth. And like she, I mean, it's honestly as someone who does look like a grown up 12 year old, like I literally have the face of a 12 year old on a woman's body. I kind of like related to that, but it was a little, it was a little wild for me to see. I felt like I was, it felt like a glitch in the matrix a little bit.
2: It, Which again, falls in line with the feeling I had about this whole movie, that it was like an alternate timeline where... It just felt like everybody didn't like each other. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and like everybody was really passive aggressive. And even people that were supposed to be friends or spouses really didn't like each other at all. And it kept me on edge pretty much through the whole movie.
1: Well, maybe that's why season two never happened because it does have unusually high reviews across the board for both the series and this movie and like the user reviews are pretty complimentary as well mm, that's okay so um surprised that danica mckellar was widely considered to be someone who might have been on the mass singer two seasons ago
2: oh okay
1: Someone who had like a childhood acting phase and there was also fractions involved or like some sort of like math thing involved. I think it was Pi and it wound up being um, God, I think it was like Blossom or something. I don't I'm not really sure who it was anymore, but everyone thought it might be her. And I have to say, I don't see her being a singer.
2: Mm, Yeah, no, not at all.
1: So um, while she's in the kitchen doing math and dealing with her astronaut son, she gets a call from her editor who wants to know about her next assignment. So let's play 632 to 753. Her editor is an older woman whose name is Becca, which is not a name that you would expect on an older woman. Let's play this clip. Uh-huh.
5: Shh. Hello. Maddie, great job last night. Were you discreet? Me? I even dressed the (laughs) part. Of course you did. Listen, when can you come in? Why, what's up? Well, I got an anonymous call about an abduction story, and there's something on the news that... Oh! Becca, let me call you back.
4: Honey, what's wrong? No, I have great news. Alexandria von Hoffman asked me to write in her group diary. Oh, well, that is great news. Alexandria von Hoffman is the most popular girl in school. I'll need a purple-pink... That's her favorite color. Well, then we'll get one. Houston, we have a problem. It's not possible. I know there is. Craig, what are you eating?
6: Grilled <laughs> mayonnaise.
4: I promised Nate he could have some after dinner.
6: Oh, I'm sorry, little commander. See,
4: I'm a commander.
6: Hmm. What's this? Dance lesson.
4: Oh yeah. Sandra's actually been bugging me to try that for a while they do all sorts of dances there
6: yeah the swing the salsa the tango and the waltz
1: (laughs) well what do you say then the kids have karate tonight we wouldn't even need a sitter okay so you know I've never been married before I don't really know how things go I probably have mostly been in shitty relationships but i can't imagine a world in which i would get a free coupon for a dance class and even have the nerve to ask my husband to go to (laughs) something like this. let alone have him dress up and attend (laughs) (laughs) it was like a big ask
2: uh i mean i guess it depends on the husband but it kind of i mean it feels like she's kind of the boss anyways in this relationship So And he's like, whatever, I'm just going to do my little puddle jump and have an affair with yet another flight attendant. So yeah, of course, of course I'll go dress up and dance with you.
1: Do you think that the Frosted Mini Wheats miscommunication was a passive-aggressive move, or do you think he's just not dialed in to the needs of his family?
2: I think they were trying to establish that he's not dialed in and that's how she can get away with everything. But like I said... Everyone is so passive-aggressive in this movie that it came off like, oh, you're a jerk dad. <laughs> like, <laughs> you did this to make everything harder for everyone.
1: Also, like, how much karate do these kids do? Because I know <laughs> she picked them up from karate last night, and then tonight they also have karate?
2: I mean, well, we never... I Do we even see the astronaut son ever again? Or did he just um, stay at karate?
1: A little bit. Like, he attends the birthday party. I believe the mini-weeds come up again. But for the most part, the kids are pretty sparsely used, which I appreciate. Okay. So, um, they go to the dance class. And he says he's a little bit rusty and self-conscious about it. But she tells him he's going to be fine. So, they're taking a couple pictures under this sort of trellis thing. From <laughs> pictures. I- yeah, I think we're supposed to remember that the photographer is this redheaded woman. But you and I talked a little bit beforehand. There is like a cumbersome amount of redheaded women in this movie.
2: Yes, it it, it, it was a little disorienting.
1: And I think it's because they usually run into issues with brunettes, like too many brunettes being casted. And I think they kept her as pretty much the only brunette woman. And oh, as yes, she was. And then like her best friend, Sandra has blonde hair. And then everyone else is some shade of red. Um, So they run into Sandra who's sort of like the single town lush. We get a little bit of a desperate housewives vibe. She's in the green dress um, and she's really excited that they're there. She's hitting on this cater waiter type guy uh, that drops a napkin and Sandra bends over to help him pick it up. And she, Compliments his Oxford shoes, which he's like, Oh, yeah, they're fake. You know, they're knockoffs, which is like, <laughs> knockoffs of what? Like, of what? The patent leather company? Like, what would wh- they be knockoffs of? <laughs> so her husband asked her how they got tickets there. And she says that the owner of the place, Romanakov, Romanakov? <laughs> Romanakov. Romanikov gave her these free coupons um, to come dance there because she did this solved a crime there the other night. So he insists this dance instructor insists that they call him Roman. And her husband says, you were here for a class last night or a case last night, weren't you? So he doesn't even know what she's up to. Honestly. Um, And she's like, well, I couldn't help it. It went really well. And I got the bad guy. So then a woman comes up to them who's this redhead. And I think this is Felice. Regina. Oh, this is Regina. Okay. So she's like, oh, the pilot and his little wife. And she says that her husband is just warming up right now. Tony, her husband, who I think is closeted. And um, they say that they've taken this class many times, but there's always room for more perfection. And these two are the people in town that are really braggy. They like to throw money around. They're, they top everyone. That's their whole thing. So this is why she's a perfect dancer. Um, and then Ramon introduces his accomplice, Sapphire. And Sapphire has like four lines at the end of the movie. I actually feel kind of bad for Sapphire because um, she doesn't mean to get involved in all that she does. So Craig asks Maddie if Romanov is his last name. And she says that she thinks it's a one-name thing, like share, which is such a, a – that was a tired joke in the 80s.
2: <sighs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, but they're trying to spice this up. And that, you guys, just let you know, is about the peak humor that you're going I to – I was
2: going to say, <laughs> like, every – there were so many attempted one-liners in this film where I was like, okay, I guess – We had to fill that minute to get to the next minute of the plot. (laughs) Right.
1: Right. And I would say most of the jokes are completely unintentional. This class is called Let's Dance, which is the worst name for a dance class I've ever heard, unless that was inspired by David Bowie, in which case that's kind of cool.
2: Sure. Wasn't clear though.
1: So tonight they're going to learn the cha cha cha, and Craig is upset they're not doing something a little bit more manly. (laughs) Grow up, Craig. So they do a quick review of the dance, and Sapphire's very into everyone swinging their hips because all the action in this dance is it's below the below belt.
2: Below the belt.
1: Sexy. I don't think anyone in this movie actually has sex with their husband. I just <laughs> only have- with Sandra.
2: Oh yeah, 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 yeah.
1: So we find out from. Uh, Regina, that her son Carlton is having a birthday and to please not spend more than $100 on his gift because it's not about that for them. And we find out the punchline to that is that Carlton is two years old. Um, And, you know, he's like a little bit put off by the fact that they're having this huge party for the whole neighborhood. And she says that, you know, the kids are looking forward to it and they're serving Carol's favorite drink, apple martinis. So we already know kind of what this party is going to be about. Because whenever there's heavy drinking at a children's birthday party, <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? As, like, a mom, do you go to these birthday parties ever, and is there heavy drinking? or is that kind um, of
2: I mean, sometimes, like, I don't, it's really funny, because I actually grew up Mormon, so I never, there was, like, never any drinking at any kind of party. Uh-huh. But, and then my husband's family, like, you know, everybody drinks responsibly and like casual. And like, if there's a party, it always becomes a big family party. And, you know, everybody's kind of doing their own thing by the end. Like the kids are having their like outdoor dance party and the grownups are having like, you know, their indoor dance party and it's fine. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen, I mean, there's definitely not like martinis Like, there's got to be somebody that's aware of the children and if there's an accident can, like, drive to the hospital, which I don't think that was anybody in this movie. They really (laughs) established, like... Sandra is the boozy floozy with her blouse buttoned up to her <laughs>
1: sternum with her belly ring, like, on point. Oh, <laughs> well, wait. I had to tell you, I'm fascinated by Mormons, and I, I need to know, where were you raised Mormon?
2: Oh, you can... Okay, so I actually grew up in Virginia. Like, I'm from the South, um, but, like, military family... Uh, mostly lived in Virginia Beach a little bit in North Carolina. So it was weird because like, I feel like on the West Coast, Mormons are a lot more typical. But where I grew up, like, oh, I'm one of two Mormons in the whole school. And the other one is my sibling kind of a situation. Uh, so it was interesting. I don't think I grew up like as a typical or what people would think are a stereotypical Mormon. Um, but well, yeah.
1: If you didn't have like a lot of that community around you, I just found out that there's a huge Mormon OC population.
2: Um, Just in LA in general, I'm surprised how many people are Mormon. Like where are they? That's the, you just don't know they're Mormon. They're everywhere. <laughs> like they're, Everywhere, like so many Mormons work in Hollywood, in the arts here. Like, yeah, that's
1: believable to me. It's wild. I'm probably out there getting judged by Mormons, and I don't even know it.
2: (laughs) You don't even know it.
1: Like, I would be on my best behavior if I was in Utah, like, the whole time, (laughs) I'd be very well behaved. But it's raw out on the street, I'm not planning for Mormons. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I yeah. probably fucked up so many things just by being myself, Lucy Goosey. <laughs> no, that's
2: good. It's good for
1: them. Is your name still on the Temple Scroll? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know if there's scroll, but yeah,
2: I think. Oh gosh, like this gets deep. Like I am not at all active or participating in any way, but. I haven't formally asked for my name to be taken off the records as to this point in time, because most of my immediate family is still practicing and it just kind of feels unnecessarily cruel to them to be, because I feel like, I feel like they go around and contact people like, Oh, just so you know, your adult daughter has taken her names (laughs) off. And I'm like, I don't need to do that to my mom while she's still here on this
1: earth. Like, it's fine. She knows I'm not anymore, but
3: yeah. I feel like
1: it might come in handy to be on the scroll somewhere. <laughs> like, in case you ever need to get, you know, hooked up by Look, the Mormons, which is a are, very community.
2: They are all about disaster preparation. Yep. And I do have my local relief society's phone number in my kitchen junk drawer. That's the women's organization. And I have it there just in case shit goes down. I can text her and be like, okay, where's everybody going with the canned goods? Like, let me know.
1: Lately, I've been like fantasizing about adopting a teenager because I feel like that would be a really good move for me to like, you know, foster and then adopt maybe like an 11 or 12 year old and just give them like a rock in teenage years. And I think that if I do that, I will go sign up to be Mormon. (laughs) No, please don't. Okay. Okay. So (laughs) here's my last question that I always ask Mormon people because my friend Deanna told me this. she was raised Mormon. She wound up uh, posing for playboy. And so I think they kicked her out, but she told me that Mormons love goldfish crackers. Is that true in your experience? Um, okay.
2: I can like, if I look within myself, I can analyze this and tell you it's probably because, Most Mormons grew up going to church every Sunday and in the kids' classes and in the nursery for like the toddlers, that was definitely like a church snack is you have like a little Dixie cup of water or Kool-Aid and then you have goldfish crackers. Also, when you're trying to last the marathon of three hours of service on Sunday, (laughs) that would be like a really typical thing to get out of your mom's purse. Is goldfish crackers.
1: Big cartons, and you can just pass them around on the car ride or wherever else. And I, I mean, as a person from Massachusetts, I rep Pepperidge Farm really hard. (laughs) So I was thrilled when I heard about Mormons loving goldfish. It actually made me feel connected to the Mormon. Yeah. um Okay. So after this, Maddie's going to meet with her editor in person about the big stories. So let's play 1231 to 1406. Thanks. Well?
3: We
4: are selling copies today, baby. I bet. But I got ten minutes till I pick up the kids from school. What was so important you couldn't talk over the phone? I assume it wasn't just to celebrate? No. I got
5: another anonymous phone call about an hour ago that five housewives have been kidnapped over the last three weeks. You think the call was real? Oh, I know it is. I followed up with my inside guy on the force. Three families called to report something, but not until after the fact. What's the status? All three extremely wealthy. All three were returned once the ransom was paid, usually within eight hours. The ransom, ten, twenty thousand dollars. thousand dollars—that's pocket change to these people. These abductions are being done quickly
4: and quietly. As long as they succeed, you know it'll continue.
5: Yeah, especially because none of the families are cooperating with the feds. They just want to be done with it. No physical harm has come to any of the victims. Not a scratch. It's like the kidnappers are being polite. Still gotta be traumatic. I'm thinking that the perp knows the victims. That's usually the case with abductions, so keep your eyes open for
4: missing soccer moms. Well. What? Melanie Rosemont. She missed carpool again today that's not like her, didn't show up for dance class. I talked to her this morning. She sounded a little upset. I didn't want to probe, but I wonder. I wouldn't be surprised the Rosemonts are loaded.
5: Who could be doing this? Is there anybody in the neighborhood who's suddenly fallen on hard times, you know, down on their luck financially? Well, it's hard to tell in these days of easy credit. Well, keep an eye out. This is not typical criminal behavior. It may be someone you know. This town's not that big. Mm, Hmm. (laughs)
1: Pre-recession. Easy credit. Yeah, exactly. Remember the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um I was raised by mostly old people so I was a kid who read the paper and I have to tell you I would wait for Inspector Mom every week. Of oh, what? <laughs> I would be like I mean I was into like all the you know funny pages obviously the Dave Berry's of it all but like Inspector Mom and when the day that that column came out I would want to read Inspector this is, Mom every week This is exactly the kind of lame thing I followed when I was a kid.
2: Oh okay no I I definitely read all the funnies and like Ann Landers and Dear Abby um but wait Inspector Mom's not a real column is it?
1: No, but if it was a real (laughs) column, I would be on it. it.
2: You would be on it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Like, I think it's that perfect mix of local crime and parenthood advice, which I really enjoy. Um, Okay. So let's just like break this down. There is a local kidnapping ring that (laughs) is killing moms from one neighborhood and they're paying off 20 grand at a time to get their wives back. And for some reason, the FBI cannot get involved in this whatsoever because people aren't cooperating. So they're now turning to Danica McKellar to solve this crime when she is honestly the perfect target for something like this. Yeah,
2: I I, she's definitely very cavalier in inserting herself into this.
1: And of course, like all newspaper editors have to have someone on the inside. That's like sort of how you're good at your job on a base level as a newspaper editor. But she's being handed full blown crimes to just go solve. Yeah, but
2: ugh, I love the editor. She can really chew gum. And it <laughs> she's she only- so yeah, authentic. She- I felt like she was the most authentic
1: character in this
2: entire movie.
1: I would say that she and Sandra were my safe spaces during the movie. (laughs) Whenever they came up, I was like, oh, good. I can enjoy myself for 70 seconds because every scene in this movie is really quick. It moves quickly for a movie where very little gets accomplished. Um, So, yeah, Maddie wonders to herself. There's a lot of narration here. She wonders to herself who would be down on their luck financially in her area. And more than that, who would be willing to admit it? So her daughter, Tara, is crying at the kitchen table and says that she doesn't understand her homework because she's stupid. And Maddie assures her that she's not stupid, but she's you know saying, I'm, I'm upset. I can't remember what all these words mean. So someone's taking a toll on her self-esteem. And we don't know who yet, but I'm guessing it's the girl with the purple pens.
2: Hello, with the group
1: diary. Did, did you ever do that in high school or junior high? Maybe for like a week, but I don't think that was something we would have ever kept up. Did you? I did not, but it was a big thing in my schools. Like
2: in both junior high and high school, there are always like either like a pair of really cool girls or like a quad of cool girls that would pass their notebooks to each other and write in like glitter gel pens and... I never, I never got to partake in one of these notebooks. So I found this fascinating that it was still a thing, but also that somebody so young would be doing it.
1: Right. Can you imagine what a (laughs) bunch of six-year-olds passing around a group diary would look like? Like they're just saying what they had for dinner last night. Like that's when there's all these great teachers on TikTok now. Have you delved into TikTok at all? I mean,
2: I follow horny for Bitcoin,
1: but um, oh yeah. <laughs>
2: other than that, I'm I'm not I am not on there. My my eight-year-old stepdaughter is super on there, but
1: I'm right behind. I don't care if China totally hacks my whole situation. Like I don't really have anything to hide and I don't keep much money in my bank of America account. So they can really (laughs) have that for all I'm concerned. But like, there's all these great first grade teachers, kindergarten teachers who are doing their half of distance learning on TikTok and letting people see what it's like to talk to a bunch of kindergartners via Zoom all day. Oh, my gosh. And it's so cute because one kid will interrupt and be like, um, uh, excuse me. Um, And they're doing like a grammar lesson. And some people be like, um, excuse me. Uh, I had hot dogs for dinner last night. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, that's how and it goes.
1: It's so cute because I'm just like, of course, that's news to you is what you ate for dinner last night. So I would really love to see what goes on in a bunch of six uh, year olds passing around a diary. Um, so the son comes in and he asks her if she's gotten more cereal yet. And she says, no, not yet. So she tells him to go finish getting ready for bed with dad. And she and her daughter go to Walgreens. Another plug. I love Walgreens.
2: Yes. I'm a drugstore kid.
1: I love a drugstore, dude. I could go... If a guy said to me, let's go on a date to CVS or Walgreens, that is like a dream date for me. I love to go and read the labels. I could read every label in a store and be so happy. I just love it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of, I I just... Okay. I'm jumping ahead, but I just want to (laughs) say when Maddie is talking to the doctor... She will not just let him buy his Hall's Fruit Breezers in peace. Like-
1: Dude, <laughs> the Hall's Fruit Breezers were in such good focus. Like, I yes. thinking about them because I was like, those came out in 2007. They must have been new by then. And I'm having a dialogue with myself about the Hall's Fruit Breezers. Same. I was like, I haven't had those in a minute. Wait, <laughs> those were like my cough drop of
2: choice. I haven't had... Where do I get those now? Yeah,
1: I noticed. Let's just let's skip ahead a little bit because I think we're in a good place to do that. So basically, Maddie brings her daughter to Walgreens to get a notebook and some purple pens and her cereal. And this is an ad for Walgreens because she's like everything I need in one stop. So (laughs) she leaves her daughter in the stationary aisle with an empty cart. And I was like, oh, your child's going to get sex trafficked." Hello.
2: This where I was like, no, no inspector mom, you're all about the crime beat. You just left your minor daughter in a different aisle. She's gone. She's snatched.
1: This isn't the nineties. You can't just leave your kids somewhere and expect it to work out. Like I would like pass out on the floor at TJ Maxx like, and take a nap. Like I would so <laughs> in my own Uh, environment as a kid i could do whatever i wanted in a store like that but now absolutely not.
2: no my children will not be riding their bikes up to 7-eleven like no
1: is it more dangerous now than it was or did parents just not care as much (sighs) i honestly i
2: almost wonder if because of the internet we just know now quicker and faster and we know of more incidents of like people being snatched but I actually think traffickers have so many more tools now because of the internet I do think that it is easier now like to do so to get paid um to move more quickly to communicate more quickly I feel like it's worse now maybe because I grew up with so many like stranger danger lessons in school. And like, I was reading the paper all the time and then the internet came out when I was a teen and they were like, Ooh, don't talk to strangers on the internet. Like you're going to get snatched in the middle of the night if they find out where you live. But yeah, dude, like my kids are not going in a separate aisle. Like one of the only times I snapped at my stepdaughter, I felt so bad. She was like, five and we were in Trader Joe's and she like wandered off into like the frozen food section. I was like, where were you? Don't you ever walk where I can't see you. Like, okay. Yeah. Somebody's really trying to take this child out with like some butternut squash, mac and cheese. Okay. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, I will say in her defense, the gone bananas and four cheese <laughs> there are unbelievable. Yes. Um, yes. I mean, well, God, that'd be so harsh to steal a kid from Trader Joe's. Yeah, it would
2: would ruin everything for me because that's like the highlight of my life now is getting to go there.
1: Yeah. Oh my God. To not have fun at Trader Joe's anymore, I can't imagine. I'm so glad that you guys narrowly (laughs) escaped that. Narrow. So she runs into um. Dr. Corda, her kids pediatrician and her friend Harriet's husband and he's acting very suspicious. M- meanwhile, this man is not acting suspicious. He's at he's at Walgreens and I don't like to see people in public ever. Like I of course I love my friends. I love seeing them when I plan to, but I kind of walk around the world thinking I'm invisible and I assume Dr. Corda and I are very similar in that regard.
2: Yeah, it, he was definitely distraught that he was recognized.
1: I've never been happy to see someone in public. when um, <laughs> They just come up to me and they're like, oh, my God, we're both here. And I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> what am I supposed to say? I hadn't planned what to say to you today. I'm too socially anxious for that. But Dr. Corda does let her know that he and Harriet are in a tough financial position right now because he invested a lot of money into a new company and the bottom fell out. And so, you know, she can't just like let that roll off of her shoulders. She starts to ask a few more questions and she makes it very clear almost out of nowhere that they're not losing the house. He doesn't care what it takes. So right away, we've got a suspect. Boom. I feel like a pediatrician is a very high paying job.
2: Uh, yeah, they shouldn't be hurting. Somebody has a secret vice in that situation.
1: So, um, yeah, Maddie says to herself that he's down on his luck financially and he lives in their neighborhood. He fits the profile, but she doesn't want to let her imagination get the best of her. He's a friendly doctor and not a serial kidnapper. Right. And I don't think that's her imagination getting ahead of her. I think that that's like perfect logic.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, of course, the punchline of this whole thing is that she's left her daughter there and said she can get whatever she wants. And she's filled up the cart with all this stuff. And I'm like, well, you guys are pissing away money, too.
2: Yeah, this is obviously nobody's living within their means in this neighborhood.
1: So when Craig gets home from work, there's a letter at the door. And, um, you know, he's very excited. The son is very excited to see him. They talk about when he can be a pilot. So he gives him some flight wings from Southwest Airlines. And tells him to take those instead. And I'm like, dude, you must have so many flight wings. Uh, You're the child of a pilot. And then we find out that he's got this thing going with his son where once he gets a thousand flight wings, they're going to let him be a real pilot.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: Which is just like explain to the child that you went to years of school and it's very difficult to become a pilot. But he can study for that when he grows up. It's why this elaborate ruse.
2: I mean, again, the dad is a gaslighter, so it fits. So
1: Maddie comes down dressed like a a pirate, like a wench, right? She has this corset on. And I couldn't tell for the first couple moments if she was going through some sort of style crisis or (laughs) where they were going. Because that doesn't look like something no one would wear at that time based off of the other costumes in this film.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I... Oh, same. I had the same reaction. Like, okay. Like I was trying to think back, was I doing vests then? Were people wearing corsets on the outside of their clothes then? I think they were at least in maybe 2004. So maybe just a couple years before.
1: Right. So then, um, you know, she says she gets this fan letter he gives her and her narration says that she knows her address isn't listed. So it must be a fan letter from a friend. So she opens it, and it's a printout of like a bunch of clip art. It's a number two, a raft, a train track. It looks like, but I guess not. I'm never. Cl- I know what this image is supposed to be, but it's never particularly clear. There's a leaf and an empty can, and I'm guessing that the empty can later on it's supposed to symbolize bread. I don't. I really know. thought it was a tootsie roll. <laughs> the clip art ransom notes are really bold, and I would. I would never figure out what they were supposed to mean. But to her, they're so simple, which is, I guess, why she's Inspector Mom. Molly,
2: how did she know that this picture page puzzle was a ransom note?
1: I don't know. Because <laughs> at the bottom of it says, solve this, Inspector Mom. Yeah, and I, like, who why? would be like, oh, a
2: ransom note? <laughs>
1: Right, right. And I guess, you know, she puts it all together. This is, yeah, why she's inspector mom. But it does look like some like a child's activity page.
2: Yeah, it's highlights. It's a copy from highlights. I don't know why she jumped to ransom.
1: Maybe it's um, an entry for the six year old group diary.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, solve this and you can write in our mash book.
1: So Craig comes down ready to go and he's putting a pirate patch on his eye and he's like, are you ready to go? And she's like, yeah, but like we can see her brain is working overtime right now. So they get to the pirate party. Um, Let's play 839 to 1905. That ransom note was burning a hole in my purse.
4: I wanted to study it, try to figure out what it meant. Do I eat cake? Sure do, honey, but wait till they say so. Okay. Okay. Why was it addressed to me? Everyone's gonna love our swords, Mother. It's the Monroe's.
1: Come on in. So this is the queen bee that just answered the door, Regina. And she's calling for no. It's Regina's daughter. What's the oh, name? Oh,
2: the the mean girl. I don't even remember.
1: <laughs> so she isn't like, so there's so much wrong with what's about to happen. And we're going to play another party scene in literally like 10 seconds. But I, so she says, mother, like she announces them. But when we go to the backyard, they're also trying to portray this as though it is the party of the century. And I don't know if I'm just spoiled on LA, but like, it's a gigantic multi-acre backyard, but there's like, some balloons, like it's a little balloon pin thing, a game like that. They have a blow up pirate ship. They have a guy like catering and there's maybe 50 people there. It looks like a big party, but it's also very visually underwhelming. And you kind of have to wonder who this is a big party to. Like, what's the target audience? Yeah, it
2: it was sparse.
1: Um, So, yeah, um, she gets greeted by... Regina. So let's play this scene 1936 to 22 minutes.
7: Maddie. Oh, is this for Carlton? Uh,
1: yeah. You
7: shouldn't have. I'll just put it here on the present table. These for the entire neighborhood? Well, half of them are. And the rest are just a few little things that we bought. Huh. You Tony's over there grilling some more pirate dogs. <laughs> I tell him that's what the caterers are for, but he just loves to play with fire. man.
6: <laughs> yeah, we're crazy. I'll go help him.
5: He would love that.
6: Tony. <laughs> hey, Craig. How you doing? I'm good. Good to see you. Wow, you really outdone yourself this year. No, oh, no, no, no. This is Regina's doing. She's got me chained to the grill. Thinks it makes me look more domestic. <laughs> yeah, I like that parrot. It's pretty nice. It's nice. There's yeah. someone else to talk to.
4: Let's see. Who's here? Sandra... Nick, the napkin-dropping caterer guy from the dance studio. Nope, no cordas. I wanted to study that note, alone. Uh,
7: listen, where can I find... What do you think of the party? It's amazing. That's so kind of you to say that. But I know how everyone keeps score. It's one of the horrors of motherhood. People judging your parties? <laughs> how ever do we survive? Are the cordas coming by? No one misses my parties. Regina?
5: The
2: caterers need to. Eat. They ran out of chafing dishes.
7: <sighs> I knew that's why I had polished my silver dishes last night. Oh, Heather, have you met Maddie Monroe? Oh, uh, yes, we've met. Are you photographing the party? I'm Regina's sister. Oh, I'm sorry, I thought. I got her the job at the dance studio last month when she came into town. Oh, you live here? Right here.
2: In the mansion.
7: (laughs) Heather thought it would be good to come in town for an extended visit. You know, and spend some time with her niece and nephew. And she's been such a helper, too. I mean, she did all the treasure chests all by herself, with just a little guidance from me.
2: Just somebody strangle me if I take up scrapbooking.
7: (laughs) Isn't she so funny? (laughs) And we just love having her here. Especially the children. (laughs) Maddie! Have you seen my scrapbooks? I have such a collection.
1: (laughs) Okay. So much happened here. I think, first of all, it's Craig is maneuvering these hot dogs with his captain, Hook Hook.
2: (laughs) I miss that.
1: (laughs) Now, also with Craig, it seems like everyone sort of openly hates Regina. Because he's making fun of Regina with Maddie's husband. Yeah. And then we have Heather, the socially ill-adjusted sister, who's so rude. Like, in real life, can you
2: imagine? Yeah, it's, again, startling how much nobody likes anybody. Everyone is so, they're either passive-aggressive or aggressive-aggressive. And the sister is aggressive-aggressive.
1: I guess I have to hand it that like that to her because I hate passive aggression in people it's like my least favorite quality. And I do like that. She's just openly over all of this shit.
2: (laughs) True. I can. Yeah. Same. I'd rather just like, let me know if you hate me, let me know. Let's get it out there.
1: And then there's this like weird thing with Regina where she's, you know, claiming that people make fun of her parties But then also, like, you know, she seems to earnestly care about people making fun of her parties. But then she's like, oh, well, whatever will we do? And it's like, can we get a director in here to, like, give her an attitude?
2: Yeah. I I, in my notes, I just have Regina. Who? Why? (laughs) What is this?
1: (laughs) I felt very assaulted. Like, it was just a lot to take in at once. So then Regina does like the most bizarre move that I've ever seen a party host do, which is drag a guest into the study where she keeps all of her scrapbooks. And this is like a children's party. And she pulls out her beloved scrapbooks and basically is like, here's all of the scrapbooks I have from birth to now of all of my kids. And Those are like treasured items. It's not like they're all one of one. Like, why would you bring those out at a party when people are probably spilling punch? Like, we know there's apple martinis. It seems like the worst environment to bring out your treasured scrapbooks in.
2: Yeah, I didn't. Again, I didn't know how to take Regina or what. Like, I'm going to circle back around to the scrapbooking. (laughs)
1: It comes back. I'm glad because I have a lot of scrapbooking questions. I would love to be the type of bitch who does. I I really do wish that for myself, but I just do not have the discipline to scrapbook. You need more Mormon friends (laughs) because I I, am like the one Mormon bitch that did not scrapbook. (laughs) I didn't want to ask if it was because of your Mormonism, if that was... (laughs) connection for you but i kind of okay i'm glad you said it yeah
2: that is definitely a big time like mormon woman hobby
1: what's the um what's the version of like anti-semitic but for anti-mormon people like is there a word within the community that i don't know about no i'm I'm not that i'm not that
2: (laughs) no i think it's just like anti-mormon it's very straightforward they're very straightforward people.
1: Yeah, I guess I'm just fascinated by it because I grew up Roman Catholic, which seems like it's on another planet. But I also think that they are more similar than dissimilar. But Mormonism is so like wild to me. I just don't know anything about it. It's like an exotic animal. Um, So, you know, this is when Maddie decides to take a moment alone in the bathroom with her ransom note that she has and she's put it into a plastic bag so that she doesn't get fingerprints on it and um you know she's studying it for a moment and then she there's a knock on the door so she has to run out of there really quickly and um when she goes out to the party again she runs into sandra who is hitting on nick the waiter and sandra is very drunk she's on her fifth apple martini and she can't hold her liquor and this i mean it's a two-year-old's birthday party so it can't be later than like 2 p.m at yeah. this point point. and maddie says that she doesn't even think carl knows it's his party and melanie says um oh and sandra says she knows she can't stand these people and maddie asks her why she's there in the first place and she says that she's not going to miss out on the infamous von hoffman goodie bags Which made me wonder what is in these goodie bags that a grown single woman would be interested in, a childless single woman, because all I saw was a teddy bear. But knowing (laughs) Regina, there might be like a laser hair removal gift certificate.
2: (laughs) I totally miss this whole. Yeah, I, I the whole time I was trying to figure out who Sandra was the mom of until honestly, until I saw the belly ring and then I was like, okay, no. She's like the cool boozy single friend.
1: Yeah, you know, I I had a belly button piercing, which I was never really made for my body type. So it was really bold of me to get a belly button piercing, considering at the time I think I was 18 and my only goal in life was to get married and have children. And it almost held me back from the belly button ring. But I still went for it. And I just, you know, I wonder who I was. I wonder Molly. why I can't just find myself <laughs> sooner, you know? I really respect that you went ahead and got the navel ring.
2: I really respect it. There were so many piercings that I, wayward Mormon child, was trying to get when I was, like, between the ages of 18 and 20. And I never pulled the trigger. And I regret it. I had a nose ring, too. Yeah. You well, know? hey, nose ring stays hot.
1: And then sometime during my senior year of college, it fell out when I was sleeping. And I took that as a sign from the universe that it was time to move on. (laughs) How very present. Yeah, I I really that might have been the only moment of clarity I had in college. So (laughs) Maddie sees that Nate, her son, has a fake beard now and. This, for some reason, is a moment. And her husband also gets a fake beard, which is going to wind up partially on her face later on. Sandra sees Heather crossing the yard, and she makes a snide comment. And Maddie says that she's just staying there until she gets back on her feet. And Sandra's like, oh, is that what they told you? I do love that Sandra is keeping the gossip alive in the neighborhood for someone who has like no stakes in this. I'm sure she just made an investment in a nice house. But if I was the single woman in this neighborhood, I wouldn't have anything to do with any of these people.
2: Yeah, same. I I didn't do kids parties when I was that age or not that station situation.
1: If, like, yeah, absolutely not. I wouldn't even talk to these bitches. So then <laughs> Regina asks Heather if the goodie bags are done yet. This is inside of the house. And Regina's saying that, you know, the goodie bags are the most important part of the party. They're lasting memories that people take home with them. And she hands her an envelope and says, by the way, this came for you. It's the same exact type of envelope that Maddie got. So she opens it, and it's also one of these brilliant puzzles that has been put together. So then Nick, the caterer, comes up behind her. The and secret, Hemsworth. Yeah. And she <laughs> decides to she decides <laughs> to hide the note in one of the goodie bags so he won't see it. And she's like, listen, don't bother me. And we see that there's like a little bit of steaminess between them. And they, they even share a kiss. And then a guest comes up and takes a goodie bag that she stuffed the note into before she can stop him. So then Regina's husband comes in and tells her that Regina wants her. And he seems like there's some real tension between Heather and the husband, Tony.
2: Oh, OK. I think I missed that, too, because it everybody had tension.
1: He even, like, wags his Captain Hook Hook at Nick. Oh,
2: that's right. OK, I do remember the hook wagging.
1: And I'm like, just get her out of there. Get her an apartment on the outskirts of town at this point. Like, no one wants to be there. Yeah. So, Regina's daughter tells Maddie, Maddie's daughter, that she has to be the princess servant in their game of pretend. (sighs) And she's very, you know, she's accepting of this, but we're going to find out that Tara, when it comes to pretend, she's always getting the shit end of the stick. So then, um, we see that, What's her face? The drunk lady, Sandra, she spots Heather coming out of the house and she's got some more tea to spill. So let's play 2631 to 2736.
2: Ooh, there's the real princess servant again.
1: More like
4: indentured servant. Ah, nice work. Yeah, I guess
5: her sister's the queen bee now. You know, they both came from humble beginnings. Regina, she just married well. I hear Heather goes from one loser boyfriend
4: to the next.
5: Yeah, they were dirt poor growing up in East Texas.
4: You might want to keep your voice down. We're not exactly out of earshot. Uh, Oh, it's not really a secret. I mean, once a commoner, always a
2: commoner. Sandra,
4: there's no shame in it.
2: Oh, look, I can't be drunk and sensitive to other people's feelings at the same time. Apparently. Commoner just means common.
4: What's the big deal? Nothing, as long as you don't mind making a few enemies.
0: Uh,
3: well. All
1: right. So much weird energy here because, like, I was so uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. It took nothing to get Maddie to flip on Heather when she calls her an indentured servant. I'm like, girl, five minutes ago and five minutes from now, you will be telling your friend Sandra that she's a bitch. But for a moment, you're leaning into this new knowledge that Heather's from the wrong side of the tracks and calling I, her an servant. I kind of read that as
2: a mark against Regina, like not heather like wow like heather's being forced to like do all this work for regina the sociopath
1: (laughs) it definitely was but it's like you're at a family birthday party and i feel like the family sometimes really carries this when it's like a bunch of other people there i don't think that based off of the shaping dish comment and now seeing her hand out cups of punch or whatever that I would be like, oh yeah, she's an indentured servant. I mean, for all they know, she's paying off her bail money that Regina lent her.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It didn't make a lot of sense. Like, of course she would be helping out like, uh, okay. I want to know your take on this. Like I was so uncomfortable because I feel like maybe I've just always been poor, <laughs> but I didn't understand why that was gossip like i didn't i didn't i didn't understand the whole situation like obviously sandra was being rude by like shouting their biz but i didn't understand why maddie was like you know trying to quiet her down so much i was like really that's the hot gossip that they had less money (laughs) before she (laughs) got married
1: no, I mean, I agree with that, especially because I sort of assume the same of Maddie and Craig, which is that I don't think that either of them came from like a ton of money. And if anything, Sandra coming from money makes her a little bit more of like an outlier in the community.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: And I mean, how much money could a pilot for Southwest really be making?
2: True. And then I'm going
1: to look that up during our next clip is what the average salary is <laughs> for a Southwest. Okay. Pilot. But yeah, I mean, it was really, it was obviously really mean. Uh, She's a mean drunk. Um, But yeah, I mean, it it definitely, it's weird to think that this is Maddie's best friend.
2: Yeah, didn't understand it at all. She doesn't like her.
1: So everyone's leaving the party and getting their goodie bags. And Regina tells everyone that they have to come back for her daughter's birthday later this year. It's a Cinderella party with real horse-drawn carriages. So Maddie tells Craig that she's going to take Sandra home. So he should take the kids home. And he's like, yeah, that's a good idea. So she drops off Sandra at her house. And this woman is absolutely tanked. Like, by the way that they make this neighborhood sound, it's kind of crazy that anyone would take a vehicle to this party. Because it seems like you could probably just walk to someone else's house. But no, Sandra planned on getting shit face and drunk driving home, I guess. from the- <laughs> <laughs> Imagine getting a DUI and they're like, where were you today? And she's like a two year old's birthday. Yeah, exactly. That's
2: definitely much, much.
1: So, um, yeah, when she drops her off, she tells her to like get inside the house and she, you know, is it's, it's a mess. I honestly was like, I feel like Sandra is going to fall up the stairs drunk. So the next morning it's 6am and Sandra calls the house. Maddie answers the phone. She's like, do you know, it's 6am. And she's like, oh yeah, of course. I slept for 10 hours last night. But after I had my morning coffee freak out, I'm good to go. And she says she's wants an early morning colonic to start over again. What is a morning coffee freak out? I,
2: again, who are these people? I I have not experienced this. I don't get it. Who is Sandra? Why is she? I've never had an early morning coffee freak out. I've had a late night coffee freak out, like when I've definitely had caffeine too late. but. I mean, I don't know Sandy's life.
1: So she's like, oh. So she's trying to remember her train of thought because she has this piece of gossip, but she keeps getting distracted. She says that her cell phone's gonna die any second now. She makes an off you know, offhand remark about this puke purple car. And I've never heard of puke purple before. Um, which makes me think that she throws up wine a lot. <laughs> And Maddie asked her why she's calling, and she says that she found something that belonged to Heather in her goodie bag. And right before she can tell her, someone with black gloves on sneaks up behind her and grabs her at the mouth. So Maddie is taken aback she leaves a message for sandra telling her to call her when she gets this message and craig is like what's going on what does sandra want and she says nothing she was just gossiping and her husband says go back to bed then and she's like no her phone suddenly cut out cut off when we were talking she said her cell phone was dying and craig's like yeah then that's the cell phone she's like no it sounded like she made a noise this is this is all this could all be cleared up with one sentence i don't know why craig needs to get involved this much Um, Maddie says that she thinks she was driving on her way to the spa. And Craig's like, well, you know, she's just her mind is racing right now because of the kidnappings. Calm down. You're being paranoid. And then they hear like a tire screech out front. And her husband's like, that's probably her leaving because that's how people leave to go to the spa at (laughs) 6 a.m. So they do this scene where the two of them are walking down to Sandra's house in their bathrobes, and he tells her to slow down. And this is great because Winnie Cooper is like five, two, and her husband is like, slow down. And it's like, dude, you're a grown man. Just walk like half a step faster than you are right now. He's making it seem like she's sprinting. (laughs) And um, they spot the phone on the sidewalk with the battery out of it. And anyone who grew up during this time knows your phone was a brick. And the battery would fall out and you could just pop that shit back in. It was none of this iPhone shit. If you break it, you have to be careful. Those Nokias were built to last.
2: Yeah, totally different phone experience.
1: So Maddie calls the salon and we find out she was a no-show there. And now the police are in front of Sandra's house. So Craig brings her her purse. He's going to take the kids to school and he has to do some puddle jumpers. But he wants her, you know, to not, not get so worried. He doesn't want her being concerned about this. And then we find out uh, that Campbell, the detective that she has crazy sexual attention with for this type of Lifetime movie, he's on the scene as well. Um, let's play the first scene with them. It is 31.52 to 35 minutes. This is so much great stuff in here.
6: I uh, searched the whole place.
1: I told
4: you she wouldn't be in there. Listen, they squealed out of here. There's some tire marks up on Oak Street. We know they were headed south, probably towards the freeway.
6: I'll pass it on. Technically, this isn't my jurisdiction. I'm homicide, not I'm missing persons. I know. And they won't take a case seriously until somebody's been missing at least 24 hours. I know. And you know it's too early to call this an abduction.
4: But she missed her high colonics. She would never do that.
6: Addie, I want to help you. Right now, we just don't have enough to go on. I need more tangible evidence.
4: I'm telling you what happened. I was on the phone with her when somebody grabbed her and drove off.
6: But you didn't hear her scream. No sounds of struggle.
4: It was because she dropped her cell phone and it broke.
6: Maddie, she doesn't even fit the profile. She's not a housewife. There was no family to call in ransom.
4: But she's got tons of money. Isn't this kidnapper all about?
6: Yeah, but that doesn't.
4: How's that for tangible evidence? We'll have to take this back to the lab, run some tests, get a full chemical pass, and see what we find. Well, the lab, what about right now? What can we do right now? We got your prints, right? Yes. Then you can go. The Bureau is very experienced in these matters, and we got the situation under control. But, I mean, I'm...
6: Uh, you too, Campbell. Thanks for the lead, but we can take it from here. Well, I, I thought maybe I'd stay and help out, if you wouldn't mind. You know, just, uh, unofficially. Uh, my partner... Agent DeLorean, he wouldn't like it. DeLorean? Like the car? Yeah, like the car. But he doesn't want people to think he's like that. Like what? You know, Irish. Where's the dame that found the
1: note? Inspector Mom, I heard of you.
4: It's just the name of her call, am I right?
1: I thought you were a real mom. What are you, 16?
4: 29, you?
1: I'm old enough to be your father. Here, look at this.
6: It's in a code of pictures. What is this? Was she a golfer? What,
1: save golfer, leave money? Why?
4: Well, it's Sandy. I think it says, to save Sandy, leave money.
1: Who's Sandy? Uh, Sandra is the uh, victim.
4: Uh, There's something else. This was left on my doorstep yesterday.
1: You didn't report it right away?
4: I wanted a chance to study it.
1: And it was delivered in plastic?
4: No, I did that, to prevent unnecessary prints. Look, it's clearly the same author. Do you have the ransom notes from the other abductions? Maybe we can compare them all, determine a pattern?
6: We'll do our best. She's got good
1: instincts. She should be at the academy at Quantico.
6: This is an amateur
7: night. Leave the real work for the professionals. You got it?
6: Yes. Good. Good.
1: This episode is sponsored by Book of the Month. I've been subscribed to Book of the Month for three months now, and I'm obsessed. If you're a big reader or maybe even a lapsed big reader who's been wanting to get back into it regularly, consider checking it out. Book of the Month, they read like hundreds of books every month from new and emerging authors, and they whittle on the list to just the very best. They provide you a diverse little selection of hardcover fiction to pick from, which is an element of it that I really love. I can find going into the bookstore to be super overwhelming, and when I know I have about a dozen really solid options to choose from, it makes the decision way easier. Plus, it's cheaper than other options, shipping is always free, and there's a loyalty program with rewards and even lower prices if you choose to stick around. There's an app where you can pick your upcoming books and track the progress of your reading, and there are challenges on there with rewards. Your book arrives in a super aesthetically pleasing box, by the way, that's the kind of touch that I always really appreciate. Personally, I read at my own pace. Sometimes I can only get to one of my two books a month, and I keep the ones I haven't read yet on my windowsill right next to my bed so I can just see them all there. It inspires me to pick one up and read. It's nice to have options in front of you. If you're interested in trying it out, you can get your first book for $5 with code PASTEL at bookofthemonth.com. That's code PASTEL at bookofthemonth.com.
0: Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut.
4: And how he rose from nothing to become New
3: York's King of the Egg Cream.
0: So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.
1: All right. What is with the weird Irish slam I- in the middle of this? I didn't. Okay. They make
2: the DeLorean joke so many times. <laughs> I don't know.
1: I didn't. I was like, is that a bad thing? I don't,
2: girl. Well,
1: John DeLorean was a cokehead. And I think that that was his thing. That was like a crime he went down for, which sort of like crumbled the DeLorean name.
2: And people watching this know that?
1: I mean, I don't know. In 2000. 2000- <laughs> Like, I don't know what's topical for these people at this point, but like the Irish thing took me so off guard because I'm pretty sure DeLorean is not an Irish last name. At That's all. why I
2: didn't understand.
1: I'm Googling it now because. <sighs> And then Rob Campbell is played by Dan Horton, who looks very familiar to me. Like, he looks like maybe he was a handsome dad in some sort of movie I watched growing up. But he's like a soap actor who was in a bunch of soaps I never watched, like Days and Passions. Um, But yeah, so DeLorean is, first of all, how weird that she actually responded with her age. (laughs) She was like, no, I'm 29. I'm 29 right? Like what, why would you even respond to that? And she also like, you know, God bless her. She does not look 12, maybe facially in the way that we described earlier, but you know, no 12 year old has adult boobs. That's weird. No. And then, you know, she, well, that's not true. I want to spare myself the emails I'll get. Yes. Some 12 year olds have adult boobs. Okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, this sort of like attitude and tension, because first of all, Campbell's apparently homicide, which took me completely off guard. This guy does not seem like he'd be working homicide. Molly.
2: Okay. This is where I just have a quibble with the people that put this plot together. If he works homicide, why was he on the case in the beginning with the jewel thief?
1: 100%. It makes no sense. Like why he's been in any of this movie up until later.
2: Yeah, I'm, oh, P.S. DeLorean is a Romanian name.
1: Yeah, it's, I'm not, I'm not sure on the bit. Maybe the joke was, is, like, he doesn't want to be seen like that, and then, because this is, like, a children's show, essentially, (laughs) he didn't want to be, like, like a cokehead, so they just called (laughs) Irish people cokeheads, like, I'm so unclear, or, like, thieves, because I feel like John DeLorean was, like, really mixed up in some bad crime shit. Um, but yeah. And then, you know, they seem impressed that she thought to put the note inside of a Ziploc bag, but at the same part time, they're undercutting her at every turn. And I know, you know, I've never been a cop before, certainly not a detective, but I'm, you know, I'm sure they are territorial of their cases based off of television and movies I've seen, but it just, um, it's it's weird. Like how they both appreciate her. It's so you're right. It's so much passive aggression that she doesn't need to be there.
2: Yeah, exact it it always makes me think I missed something, but I didn't. No, it's just the way people function in this universe.
1: And I feel kind of bad because like, you know, the director is I hate to shit on directors in these movies, but like there just needs to be someone on set who's going to tell people, okay, this is your attitude in this scene. And the director's name is Brad Keller. What else has he done? Let's see. He's done, he did like real movies, I think, before this. Um, some like B-horror movies, Secret at Arrow Lake. This was really his only TV movie, The Inspector Mom TV movies, as well yeah. as he Seven episodes on inspector mom. So maybe this was his pet project. I don't know, but, um, I I need you to be more with us, my friend Brad. So, okay. The phone rings and everyone in the house looks over at the phone. Like it's fucking insane that a house phone would ring during the day for a woman that's been missing for four hours. Like it's, (laughs) they look at it like that phone hasn't rang in 60 years. Like they really, (laughs) I think it's bizarre. Now maybe I'm just used to getting crank called by the Democratic National Convention or whoever the fuck is calling me all day. Like I have people from unaffiliated organizations, like things that I have nothing to do with. Like I would never think anything of a house phone ringing, but they're all scrambling. So Maddie says it's too early for someone to call her. It must be an unidentified caller. So they decide to let Maddie answer the phone, but only if they put it on speaker. But then they realize, oh, we can just pick up the other line in the house. So they go to the other phone and they all gather around when she answers. And it's Sandra. And she goes, Oh, good old Maddie, always on top of things. And there's a hint of resentment to it for a woman that's about to die, possibly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, Sandy's just that kind of broad. I love it.
1: So she's tied up and blindfolded and they tell her not to look at anything. And so she screams all of a sudden she screams and she's like, oh, I just think it was a cockroach that ran over me. And stay tuned to that because that actually winds up being a clue is that she thinks a cockroach ran over her foot. So she tells Maddie that she has $3,000 in her jewelry box, $2,000 in her underwear drawer, 4K taped under the lid of a box under her toilet. And the balance is in the safe behind the fireplace. And I was waiting for them to start deconstructing her fireplace, like Amelia Bedelia, <laughs> <way to> <laughs> up, and it was behind, like an oil painting. Because I was sitting there thinking, like, what does behind the fireplace mean?
2: Yeah. What can you how do you even get behind a fireplace? That I, I, don't
1: think, I don't know. I'm, I must be Amelia Bedelia myself because I would be like, well, I love you. For being, <laughs> Amelia Bedelia. I'd be like, guys, we got to get the construction crew in here. We're taking off the external panel of the house. Like, I would have no brick idea what that
2: brick. Like you, I mean, you'd have to take down the chimney, right?
1: I like- would literally. I would be like, just take the money out of my account, and she can pay me back when when it comes to the fireplace thing, because I have no idea. So they're all pressed for time because it's only. Five hours until three p.m. when she has more instructions, and like the like, just like the busy stay-at-home mom slash part-time newspaper writer that she is, Maddie has so much shit to do in the next five hours. So she goes in to speak with Becca, her editor, and she tells her that they only have five hours, and the FBI recommends that they don't pay it pay ransom but that's the pattern so when they get paid the victims are returned safely so she has to figure out who's doing this she wishes she got to have those ransom notes still but the cops took them and then the editor reminds her that they were made up of magazine clippings and it clicks for her kind of like scrapbooking so Mm -hmm. she asks uh her to run a couple names for her so she runs regina and heather's names and maddie says that they may seem wealthy but people who flaunt their money usually have the most to hide. And the editor asks about the caterer, Nick. Uh, and then she goes and pays Regina a visit. So she's running, she's running around town during this time. I would have stayed completely still. I would have been working the phone lines, really, if I was in her position. But this, let's play this clip from Regina's house, 3729
7: to 3912. I, to come in. I am so sorry. The housekeepers haven't picked up yet. I was just watching the news. Sandra Danes was abducted today. It's on the news already? Who's in charge of the case? I'll send a basket. What's good for an abduction? Oh, I'm thinking non-perishables.
4: Uh, I think it's Agent DeLorean.
7: Like a car? Yeah. Huh. Another scrapbooking project? No. This is work in progress. You know you must be so busy. I really shouldn't keep you. Well, I was hoping to talk to your sister. Heather? She's not here. What did you want?
4: I wanted to ask her about one of the caterers. Dark blonde hair, young guy. I
7: thought I saw him giving Sandra an odd look. Nick something? Nick Cotter. Do you know him personally? Well, Heather insisted that I hire him for the event. I wish she'd get herself a husband once and for all. Nick was her bad boy back in New Orleans for a while. He followed her here. Really? Now she can't seem to shake him. But I think you're right. I think he does have something to do with the kidnapping. It wouldn't surprise me at all. I'm not jumping to any conclusions. I would. I mean, look at him. He obviously needs money. Why else would he keep hanging around? Hmm. You know, if you still want to talk to Heather, she'll be at the dance studio later today. They're getting all ready for the big dance competition tomorrow night. Tony has new tux. You should see it. Maybe
1: I will. Thanks for your time. All right. So we got another amazing DeLorean joke in this scene. I do like that she thinks to send a basket to someone who's being kidnapped. That seems like a very rich person that sort of <laughs> checks thing to do. Um, it's it's crazy that the dance competition is tomorrow night. I didn't realize what a tight turnaround they were on, but I guess if the new inspector mom column needs to get out, it would make sense that this all takes place in a couple days.
2: Yeah, I I was amazed at the fast turnaround on everything happening in this movie.
1: Do you think Maddie has what it takes to be like mayor or something? <laughs> I mean, the fact that she's
2: voluntarily doing anything outside of like family sitch and writing a column. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm barely holding it together and I'm home all day. So, yeah,
1: she could I don't save think, us all. I don't think Craig would be supportive, but if she won, I feel like he'd be happy that it makes him look good over at Southwest. Yeah, exactly. Um, What does a mayor even really do?
2: I don't know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Do they pass laws? No, they just make, make rules, right? And they throw parties? I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess they give
2: out statements on things. Like, I think the city council comes up with issues and then the mayor is like, i I think that was a great idea. We're doing great. We support our law enforcement, and we have the best town that's it and Then they take a picture and they're done
1: so this is a little off topic, meaning completely off topic, but today is Friday, October ninth currently it is one thirty nine p m and I'm dating and timestamping this because I want to know what are your projections for what's going to happen the next week or so with our current administration?
2: Okay. I'm really excited to ask me this because I have a theory of what's going on and okay. I can tell you what I hope happens <laughs> and what I think may happen. So like when Trump was released from the hospital and they had him do that whole like, look, he's doing great. Like two thumbs up photo op situation. And he was absolutely heaving for breath, which gave me so much anxiety. Like I've had bad asthma my entire life. And I was, so I was having a panic attack, watching him gasp for breath and watching him labor, like and was probably feeling a lot of pain. And I was like, why are they parading him out like this? Like you don't, if somebody has been given this like strong enough medication that they have him on, he should not be out and about. And I decided, okay, I think his family and his team just want everyone who supports him to believe that he's strong enough to keep leading us if he wins the election. But I think they probably know that that's a dicey situation and they're gambling that they just need him to make it to November 4th because if he can make it to then, well, then we have Pence in charge. Pence will let them do anything they want. As long as he gets to strike down Roe versus Wade and strike down like marriage equality and right. he does not care what else they do as long as he gets to do those things. So, like, I don't even know what happens when a presidential candidate dies after people have already cast their votes. Like, do you even know?
1: Um. Well, from my loose understanding, it would be up to the RNC to pick a new candidate. And I don't know if they would make us do another election. I wonder don't if they have to. Happen. If it's a new yeah. candidate, like. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know if they've ever. So it's so hard because like never in our lifetime has something like this happened and n- neither in my moms that I know of. But I feel like a lot of the, the rules that are coming up now are things that the last time they happened was literally like in the 1800s.
2: Yeah, exactly. I'm. I haven't even looked up like election law that deep but I just feel like the, it's also weird to me that the doctors I don't know what the situation I guess if somebody voluntarily wants to just charge themselves even if they're in a dicey situation you kind of have to let them but the fact that anybody who is a doctor is signing off on like yeah this is fine <laughs> let them out and they should be fine even though they're on like a super noxious steroid, like, yeah, let him make global decisions.
1: Well, they're all like paid off bitch boys. Like these, yeah. you know, doctors are so unethical. If I just had to make a guess, a guess. And additionally, I mean, I don't think he'll ever willfully step down. I think oh, he will no. dead before that happens. <laughs> Absolutely. No. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's really scary. And I, think that one of the scariest parts is that we as a as a nation, as a world have usually had like a typical five day news cycle where things just don't really come out on Friday night unless it's like a celebrity announcing their divorce. And it's weird. Like last Friday was sort of a blockbuster night for big news. And it was hard for me to tell. It's interesting that you realize as a asthma patient, that he was having labored breathing. Because sometimes I I wonder if I'm looking into things too much in my favor. And to me, it did look like he was gasping for breath. But I also didn't know if it was just because he's like an out of shape, overweight man that just walked up a flight of stairs. And I didn't know <laughs> if he like, really was having tr- trouble breathing or if he's just like not fit. So I'm glad that, you know, someone who's dealt with you know, severe breathing problems. And I am so sorry that you've dealt with that your whole life was going through that. Like that's, yeah, it's, it's it was startling. And like,
2: like Brooke and I were talking last night just about like how for somebody who was already strange looking, he looks truly strange now. Just his hair has totally gone washed out. The skin right under his eyes, where he's not able to fake tan, is so, so pale. I mean, he looks pretty ghostly. And, like, I mean, yeah, I tweeted at you. Look, like, I'm not trying to draw, like, bad vibes into my own house. But I have a lot riding on the full next full moon. It is Halloween. And that would be, like, a complete lunar cycle of whatever crazy Shakespearean shit we're going through right now. Like it's just, I don't think we've ever been in such a situation in my lifetime where it was like every three hours we're in a completely different situation as a country. Like, okay, now it looks like we're going to be in this wild position. Oh no, wait, something else happened. And like, we're all so numb to it that, We're just, like, waiting for the next wave to break.
1: Yeah, it feels like we're playing, like, a demented game of tag where, like, something really bad will happen for the Trump administration and then he'll, like, X out some law as, like, revenge to, like, get back at the bad news. I mean, we have to remember that all of this COVID stuff started the night that the Melania tapes came out. And, like, what... How has this moved so quickly like we've been this is like a a little bit over a week that this has all happened, and I feel like I've lived two weeks in that time or more um
2: I have aged
1: <laughs> I have visibly aged
2: more in the past six months than I have in a decade. (laughs) Like, now I know why. Like, when you see photos of, like, teenagers from the Depression and you're like, oh, wait, is that a middle-aged woman? No, it's just a 15-year-old lugging her linoleum floor from state to (laughs) state to go, like, pick fruit for 80 hours a week. Like, now I get it because I truly, yeah... I used to look really young for my age. That is no longer. I look tired.
1: Yeah, I definitely think that a lot of us have uh, gotten uglier during this time. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that way. I truly feel that way.
2: Like, I'm really supportive of my friends, and they're so beautiful, and I miss their faces. But I'm like, man, like, yeah, haven't haven't seen a salon for a while. Like... <laughs> I'm trying to do like one of those baby foot exfoliant peels on my feet and I just look
1: like a horrible rotting dragon. Like it's, it's rough. It's really rough. It is sad. Like when you, when you do something that used to be as life-changing as baby feet, like when that first flopped off and you're like, Oh, you're like, I'm still a flop. Like remember like, how good it felt the first time you peeled like a fucking lasagna noodle of skin <laughs> off your foot. And you're like, oh my God, this is a miracle product. I'm killing it. My feet feel like a baby. And then now you do it in this quarantine and you're like, oh, well, it means the least I could do for today. I guess yeah. some progress. And God, remember at the beginning of quarantine how so many of us were like, yep, I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to use this time. I'm going to eat a lot of healthy food. You know, I'm going to start growing carrots in my backyard. No.
2: <laughs> we were delusional. Lally. Molly, this, okay, let me tell you the one action that set the precedent for my quarantine vibe. I went to Costco (laughs) to stock up and I was like, you know what I need? I need this, like, two-gallon tub of M&Ms. Like, (laughs) I'm going to put it on the top of my fridge so I have to work for it. No, I didn't work for it. (laughs) I just, like, poured out a bowl every day and I was like, as long as I don't eat more, then, like one cereal bowl of
1: M&Ms a day. I'm fine. Yeah, I went through a weird pigs in a blanket stage. <laughs> <that> I- <laughs> One day I was just like, you know what, I really fucking want is pigs in a blanket. And I went through this weird stage where I was eating like three little pigs in a blanket every day. And I'm like, yeah, this is actually almost healthy. Like, I'm sort <laughs> my pigs in a blanket consumption. And it like, that is so weird for me. Like that is so like off brand with everything that I ever do. And I just was like, this is it. I've, I've reached a weird pigs in the blanket. <laughs> so I did look it up while we were playing that clip. So the average income for a Southwest pilot, and these are current numbers is like 88 a year to $119,014 a year, which is a, a wild range down to very specific numbers. Yeah.
2: I mean, there's a lot of really wealthy people in Dallas, but I feel like you're you're probably doing pretty good in that range. You're not, I mean, you're not Regina good, but you're
1: you're doing all right. It's kind of like a, like a slap in the face from Sandra, though, when you think about it. Because, you know, you're not making a lot of money being a freelance news person <laughs> either. Yeah, exactly. How much do you think she makes for Inspector Mom? Oh,
2: gosh. I feel like she probably makes like $175 per column.
1: I was going to say $150. Like, that is 100% the area. I'm glad we both fell on that number. Yeah. Um. So... Maddie Maddie calls her editor and she tells her that she got the name for the caterer. And um, later at her house that night, Tara asks her if she can go to Darcy's house for a sleepover. So Darcy is the daughter of the Cordas, the pediatrician. Okay, so Maddie's like, yeah, we can go, but we're just going to pop in and say hi. So right away, Harriet, the pediatrician's wife, is not really happy that Maddie knows that they've been having a hard financial time. And I'm like, how does that even come up in conversation? Like, I would never go to someone's house and be like, so I heard you took a hit on an investment recently. <laughs> <laughs> I feel uncomfortable talking to people about like their Bitcoin or their crypto. And I'm really into that whole thing. Um, I loved following the market, the ups and downs, but I would never be like, so exactly how many Bitcoins do you have? <laughs> and I am horny for Bitcoin, though, as you know, so... Which, by the way, I also own that URL. So he says that she's heard these police were called um, about Sandra and she wants to come by and interview her. So she's like a little bit nervous about that. Maddie says they're just following procedure. So Doc comes in and he says hi to them. And he says that he hadn't heard about Sandra and he can't imagine who would do such a thing. Maddie says that she found a random note and the wife asked if they figured out what the pictures meant. And it's like, oh, well, how does she know about the pictures? Okay, maybe it's her. So Doc says that they really shouldn't be talking about this. He doesn't want the kids to overhear anything. And he offers Maddie some water or lemonade, but she passes and asks to use the restroom instead. So she does this little fake out where she goes around the side of the house and she listens through the window, which by this is such psycho behavior. Like in real life, if you caught someone doing this, can you imagine what your reaction would be?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I really hadn't evaluated this like from an objective perspective but
1: I would call the police on her
2: I would think she was the kidnapper
1: so she uh listens to him and Harriet basically is telling him that she can't stomach that another abduction is going on and he says that you know we need to do what we got to do right now it's not that big of a deal I don't want to discuss this the kids are going to hear it so they decide they're going to step outside to continue the conversation. And Maddie's like, fuck. So she hops inside the kid's playhouse so they can speak freely outside. Now this is like one of those Fisher price playhouses. Um, It's absurd to think that a grown woman could be in one (laughs) feet from you and that you wouldn't like hear her breathing, (laughs) or just like her feet shuffling Cause it's a very uncomfortable place for a grown adult to be in. Um, And Doc, Doc tells his wife that, you know, they're doing this for the family. And she's like, well, what about Sandra? And he says that they agreed on this. And Harriet doesn't like that all this is going on while Maddie is there, especially because she has a connection to the police. So then her daughter, Darcy comes outside and she's like, where's my princess pony doll? And Harriet's like, oh, you probably left it in your playhouse. So then Darcy gets in with Maddie and Maddie's like, don't tell your parents, which by the way, guys, if you have kids, tell them that adults don't ask them to keep secrets because that's like a very important thing. And it's, it's very, it's a very concerning to me that Maddie's able to redirect all this. So she's like why don't you take the pony inside I think it's thirsty and she gets her to get out of the playhouse and then um, there's this weird sort of moment that I think is supposed to be a joke where she picks up the phone off the floor as if she thinks it's her own cell phone and realizes she's holding a plastic children's phone so then Harriet finds Maddie coming out of the bathroom and asks her to talk privately and Maddie tells her that she knows she's the one who sent her a copy of the ransom note and she asks her if she still has the original there so um, she shows her her copy of the ransom note. Then we're gonna play a clip 4539
7: to 4813. How did you know I was the one who
4: sent it? I had my suspicions, but I don't know how I missed it before. Your name is on this note. No, it isn't. This telephone doesn't mean call, that's why there's no phone number. It's the long cord that's important. This note says to save Corda leave money. Why did you send this to me?
7: I was just trying to point you in the right direction. I didn't know you could trace this back to me. Please, my husband and I have agreed not to go public with this.
4: You were kidnapped. You were reaching out to me. I don't care if you're home safe. You need to be in counseling. And you have to tell the police.
6: Harriet, don't.
4: Your wife is trying to help, Doc.
6: But we don't even know that's- Listen
4: they- to me. I appreciate you trying to be cautious, but for everyone's sake, it's just not smart to keep Harriet's kidnapping quiet. The more information we have, the more likely we are to figure out who's doing this.
5: We paid the ransom and got her back. That's all that matters.
4: But there are others. They've got Sandra as we speak. How do we even know it's the same people? I have inside information about the other cases. The ransom knows the whole thing. It's a big it pattern. Wonders
5: if we said anything, there would be consequences.
6: I don't want to talk about this. Please, Maddie. We just want this to go away.
4: You can't let them scare you into not doing the right thing.
6: They said if anyone else found out, they would come after us. A daughter.
4: Why? What do you know?
5: Promise me that you won't-
7: I promise. It had something to do with the dance studio. The dance studio? I had a blindfold on. But you know how sometimes you can see a little bit of something through the bottom? Yeah? I saw a sheet of paper with the Let's Dance logo on it. I love taking classes there. I, I know that logo anywhere. Was it
4: like from a flyer, the kind of thing a student would have? Or an employee, an invoice or a purchase order? I don't know,
7: but I was stupid enough to say something about it because that's when he got really angry. He? Was it just one man? Yeah, the, there's also a woman there too, I, I think.
4: Would you go with me to the dance studio? we can look around see if anything looks familiar i'm sorry
7: i i really just want to stay home right now
4: i understand I... look i have to go pick up nate from t-ball but can we continue this later sure thank you
1: okay i have so many things about this scene that i want to touch on um first i have to say that there's two things in this movie that I don't think normally would make it into a movie because it's so commonplace, I guess. But the first one is when Sandra sort of yelps when she drops her phone. And the other one is when Harriet says, you know how when you have a blindfold on and you can kind of see things from <laughs> the bottom? Like, they're both things that are, I don't know if they're lazy writing or if I, I just, I think it's so specific because i've never heard anyone in any other movie or anything reference that sometimes you can see some light out of your blindfold
2: yeah or why would you say like you know how you can see something like they felt like they really had to justify she could have just said i caught a glance of p.s my issue with this is when she says she'd recognize that logo anywhere the logo is just the words "let's dance" and this no. word in italics. <laughs> like
1: they just pressed italics. The end. I died. I like, honestly, when I saw that, I thought of Jen right away. Cause I was like, this is something that she would be obsessed with that. Her, that font would be her favorite character in the movie. (laughs) It's Unbelievable that this is like this, Oh, this famous logo. Like I I would, I could recognize it anywhere. It like literally looks like something that could be on any party invitation in the nineties anywhere. Okay. So then the corda, the phone cord, meaning corda. I was like, uh, this is my first hint that whoever put together these ransom notes might be ESL and that <laughs> what's-her-face, Maddie could probably speak multiple languages because I wouldn't... Like, this picture of the phone cord, it's so not obvious that this is a phone. I had no. to. I, I honestly didn't know until she pointed it out that that's what it was.
2: Yeah, I had to pause and get closer and closer and closer to the TV.
1: And then the last one thing that I really want to point out from this scene is, you know, I understand that the pediatrician is obviously very tuned in to child development, but he is so obsessed with the concept that these children might overhear what's being said. And, you know, yes, we've already sort of said that they kept it fast and loose when we were growing up. Okay. Like we probably all overheard things that we weren't supposed to overhear, but I think because shit talk and like conversations that should have flown above my head were so commonplace that I really there's still stuff as an adult that I look back and I'm like oh is that what that was so it definitely sort of struck me that he was so obsessed with these girls who are on another flight of stairs they're all screaming upstairs you can hear it in the background the whole time I have to ask you do you and your husband have like a little code or like a way of speaking when you want to communicate something in front of your kids that you don't want to say or how careful are you about Um, them?
2: Well, since the beginning of quarantine, we're definitely not as careful as we should be. (laughs) Like there's really no options. Like that's been a common problem discussed through like any of my friends that are partnered and have kids were like, yeah, you can't even have a discussion about your relationship because if you try to like go outside children just walk out to see what you're doing because they're so hungry for like attention uh because all they have is you so uh, a lot of stuff gets said that probably shouldn't in front of our kids now but we like our thing is always just like, okay, go to the garage. Go to the garage. Come to the garage. And then it's like, okay, either somebody's gonna tell you like you need to straighten up be your behavior, you're being disrespect disrespectful, or um, hey, I saw a ghost in the hallway. <laughs> right, we don't right. wanna scare the kids. Let's talk about that. Um yeah. So I mean, that's what we try to do, but it's just not possible these days to really, um, really shelter your children.
1: Do you really see ghosts in the hallway?
2: Girl, I mean, if you've got the time. I, I do. Yeah. Okay. So like something that was really important to me when I was like, if I ever get married, my spouse has to believe in ghosts because I straight up grew up in a haunted house. Like weird stuff happened All the time. Um, And everybody like agreed like, oh yeah, it's haunted. Let's just try not to make it worse. And I definitely told my husband like, hey, if I ever tell you that something scary or spooky is going on, if you don't believe me, it's going to be a problem in our relationship because I am not going to be one of those women on like the haunted reenactment that's like, and then... You know, the stepdad said, this is my house. I don't believe in this stuff. And then like, ghosts burn the house down or whatever. Um, And when I was pregnant, so I have a stepdaughter. And then um, my daughter I gave birth to is like 18 months old. But when I was almost nine months pregnant with her, um, nothing really creepy had ever happened in our house. But we came home, like he took me out for like whatever craving I wanted. And then when we got home, I was standing in the kitchen and I said, wait, what did you just say? And he said, oh, I didn't say anything. And I did get a little bit of auditory hallucinations um, at the beginning of my pregnancy, which apparently is a common thing. So I was like, okay, it's just whatever, more pregnancy weirdness. Um But then it happened again, and it sounded like somebody whisper shouting into my ear, help me, help me. And I got really uncomfortable, and I said, okay, somebody is trying to talk to me, and it's not okay. And while my husband believes that paranormal things can happen... He's the type to be like, okay, like if this is not disruptive, like disregard it and don't make a big deal, like calm down, whatever. Um, And I was still convinced that he might just be messing with me until I went down the hall to use the bathroom and he was sitting on the couch in the den. And when I was walking back, I could fully see his face. And his mouth was closed and somebody straight up yelled into my ear, help me, help me. (laughs) And I like screamed and fell to my knees and was just like, this isn't okay. Somebody's messing with me. And like um, earlier that week, like we have my one daughter has a bell in her room and it like was ringing on its own. And I was like, whatever, I'm about to have a baby. Maybe like that's grandma saying hi or whatever. I don't care. Um, but then when this happened, I was like, something, something straight up might be in our house. And, um, we're, I like, whatever. I've probably mentioned this, like when you played Throb, like I'm hella witchy. So I contacted my witch friend and she was like, okay, you need a burn sage. You need to do this, whatever. So I did that and things were fine. And then, when my daughter was two months old, we're all hanging out in the house and my stepdaughter is like working at the dining room table, like coloring or something. And she just goes, who said that? And my husband said, what? And she said, somebody just whispered in my ear, help me. And like the blood (laughs) left my body and I looked at my husband and like, like, I don't know if you've ever tried to shout with your eyes, but I just <laughs> looked at him and I said, Um, hello. Like, you know hello, what this means. <laughs> yeah, like you know what this means. And I just said, Garage. <laughs> we went in the garage and I said, like, I told you, remember when something was talking to me in the house, they straight up were saying, Help me. And now uh our daughter's hearing this this is not okay. And then my husband looks me in the face and says, Oh yeah. I saw somebody in the hallway today. Oof. I said, excuse me. What? He said, yeah, uh, I didn't want to say anything. Cause I didn't want to freak you out. But, and like my husband is fully a wizard, like <laughs> he's super psychic and doesn't realize that it's not normal. So right. he was like, Oh yeah. Like I saw somebody standing in the hallway and, um, I said, what did they look like? We're like male, female, tall, young, old. He was like, I couldn't tell. Like when I tried to look at them full on, they just disappeared. And so then we're like trying to think, is there anything we brought into the house over the past couple of months that we like is new that maybe like brought something into our house And like, somebody had given us like a gift from traveling and my husband straight up like burnt it in the fireplace, like in front of the children. And my stepdaughter was so distressed, like, why would you burn that? And my husband was just like, it's mine. I can do what I want. Don't worry about it. And uh, then it never happened again like what was the item i don't want to totally say because it was a very kind person that gave it to us but it was like a figurine from another country um that in like seems to be kind of notorious for having like weird paranormal shit go down
1: so do you think that that I like, are you dealing with the ghost at all still? It's not your house. It's it was the item, or do you think that it was a combo? Like, are you living on haunted grounds?
2: I don't think I'm living on haunted grounds, like, cause I definitely know how that feels, like from my childhood. But I think maybe we brought something in, though I have had a lot of friends tell me, like, when they had just had a baby, that they started having like noticing weird paranormal shit going down and they were like I don't know if I was just sleep deprived or it just puts you in a weird like between the planes of existence kind of place um but I mean ever since then we haven't really had anything too crazy happen other than a squirrel hanging itself from our tree um but what <laughs> Yeah, when that happened, I was like, oh, no, this is a bad omen. Whoa. (laughs) I'm going to be murdered by a witch. And my husband was like, no, like, it just got caught up on some fishing line (laughs) from when we, like, hung lanterns. We got married in the backyard, so we still had, like, like, strings from lanterns that we had hung up. But, yeah, like, that was at least explicable, Um, now things are chill. I do burn a lot of sage though.
1: Wow. Okay. Well, do you have an HLC, a heat light sensor thing? I do not. They're like not expensive. You can get them online. But when I bought my house, I just like, you know, I'm actually, I'm like at a pretty good resting place with ghosts. Like there was, um, definitely some activity in my mom's house with her ex-husband and, um, like a famous anecdote in our friend circle is that my best friend came from LA to come visit me in Boston because we both went to school there. And before bed, I was just like, Oh, by the way, um, if you hear yelling in the kitchen, it's just because the house is haunted. And I like rolled over to go to bed and he like got into bed with me and he's like, Molly, what <laughs> would you tell me this? Why would what? you say that? And i I just like it's because every time I would sleep at my mom and stepdad's house when I went home, there would be like this loud arguing in the kitchen with like cabinets slamming, and you know the first time I heard it, I was like, That's so Mom and Greg don't fight like that. That's really weird. And I got up and I went into the kitchen. there was no one there, and then I went back to bed and they started up again, and then I just realized, okay, every night this this ghost couple. Like goes through their toxic cycle and has a, a large kitchen fight and like it doesn't have anything to do with me and it's not a problem. Now, granted, I've never encountered like a poltergeist or something, but generally, I feel like ghosts aren't there to like harm you. Um, so when I got my house, it is like it was built in like the early 1950s. So I decided to check it out, and there was major activity in the corner of the living room where the guy who rented my house from the owner previous owner had all of his dad's like Vietnam war memorabilia. Oh gosh. And so I wound up like completely redoing that corner of the house. I saged the shit out of the house and I put like a fireplace in that corner because I just was like, we have to start over. Like, and now mm-hmm. I don't expect- anything like that. But I, there was definitely some sort of spirit, I think, friendly in my house when I moved in. But an HLC is basically something that you can hold up to corners, anywhere on the wall, doorways. And, um, if there's a dramatic temperature change, you see it on the sensor because obviously like cold spots out of nowhere are typically some sort of paranormal activity, unless there's some logical reason to explain it. And I like it just because I kind of, I'm someone who does better with all the information first, you Mm -hmm. know, but it's great that you're still in touch with that. And I feel like it is because you're a Mormon and because you never drank (laughs) as a child. Like, I think not that (laughs) I drank as a child, but like, do you know what I mean? Like, it was like, you were just living in your pureness. And I think that maybe that's why you're still so in touch with it. And kids are obviously more in touch with it. I was, my psychic nature was not nurtured in me. And so I feel like Mm -hmm. I've lost a lot of it, but I had that as a kid.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. My, like, I don't know how, I mean, I would have like prophetic dreams a lot when I was younger. Um, but my husband straight up, like, it's so weird. like, he came on our stream one night and was just like, "Oh yeah." And I used to always dream about what would happen, but you know, nobody would believe me. So now I just try not to dream. What?
1: What? <laughs> like, That's mean- so sad and heartbreaking. Like that actually is really
2: sad. It's really sad. I was like, you had to live this like horrible Cassandra existence of, oh yeah, terrible things are going to happen, and nobody takes me seriously. So it's never good stuff. I dream about like what? Yeah. He's a noble man.
1: (laughs) Full moons of it all. Like I have the most insane dreams and I used to smoke like a lot of pot, like a lot. And so I completely stopped dreaming for about 10 years. But then when dreams started to come back, they got really intense. And like every night I have these really lucid dreams. And then around the full moon, my dreams are batshit. Like mm. absolutely. Crazy. And I would sort of I would love to have an off switch sometimes. That's like kind of really impressive. That Dean's I wonder
2: able to what that way. One of my best friend's husbands always talks in his sleep during the full moon. Really? Why? What like That's so fascinating to me. It's so like consistent that I'm like, what's going on like scientifically to make that happen? Like what kind of, does our sleep cycle have something to do? Like if you're having crazy dreams during a full moon, anyways, it's fascinating to me. I wonder if anybody has done any sort of like research on that.
1: There is this amazing sleep recorder app that you can get where you put it on before you go to sleep and it gets all the clips of you when you're sleeping
2: oh that would be so scary to me
1: I would not want to listen there's one I want to look it up because it um, I want to play it for you it's like honestly it's sad because it's like this man is tormented by this giraffe when he's sleeping (gasps) oh no but it's probably one of the funniest things I have ever heard in my life. Hold on, let me see if I can find it. Okay, here it is. I found it. This guy did a bunch of videos on it because he's a sleep talker too. But then there's he went through this weird phase of of posting people farting in their sleep, and <laughs> I'm not in that. Um, okay, here's here's this. Okay, ready?
6: Yeah. Very active sleep talker, and there's apps you can download that you through the night? Uh, I posted one last week, and I found a new app where people can submit their sleep recordings. <laughs> you have to hear this one. Oh, I
3: hate
6: it! Stupid, oh, stupid giraffe!
3: I hate that stupid giraffe. That giraffe always wants to bite me. <laughs>
1: how sad is that (laughs) oh my gosh it's like vaudeville I hate that stupid giraffe. And his wife is going, Jeff, good Lord. Like how the patience of a saint, like waking up every night to your husband having these night terrors. But at the same time, my heart would break knowing (laughs) that my husband was being tortured by a giraffe with big teeth and all. And did sleep. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) that stupid giraffe it literally like i it's one of the few tiktoks i sent to my mom (laughs) it's just like this is evergreen like anyone would die laughing at that um okay so we are leaving Doc and Harriet who are soothing each other with a nice healing hug. And Tara, her daughter comes down and she's having a fight with Alexandria, who is the daughter of Regina. And Alexandria is telling her she's too tall to play a girl. So she has to be a guy, but unfortunately there's no guys in her game. Oh God kids with the rules that they would make up Mm -hmm. so hard. And so, you know, she flat out says I'm the popular girl. So I make the rules. And, you know what? I kind of did think. I remember back. I think I remember popular girls referring to themselves as popular, which, when you think about it, is insane. Yes. So Tara's crying by the door and Maddie comes up to her and asks her if she she asks if she can go to grandma and grandpa's house now. And so on the ride over to grandma and grandpa's, Maddie asks what's wrong. And Tara says that she's too tall and stupid. So Maddie pulls over the car to ask her why she's so upset. And she admits that Alexandria is the one who's been calling her tall and stupid. (laughs) So... (laughs) no which, when you think about it, it's so like it's so sad like the shit that we used to get upset about as kids like even the ransom notes I was thinking like oh corda like that seems like and then like using a phone cord as the symbol I was like that's something a child would tease you about like mm-hmm. oh you're like like Mm -hmm. the things that like just used to make us sad although I will say one time a storyteller came to my school in first grade and it was about a Native American girl named Molly who had a lazy eye and I have a lazy eye and my name is Molly and I am part Native American and when I tell you I felt targeted that day I felt fucking targeted like how specific does it be is it like Molly was a very close relationship with her grandmother and lives at 21 Fallen road like that's when, wild that's to get. so on the ride over um, you know Maddie you know she tells Maddie basically like she tells her daughter to like fuck off don't worry about the bullies so- I have to say
2: that this was the one moment in the movie where I was like oh yeah this is why she's a mom and this actually feels real to me like all the other sort of like oh she's a mom she has to do it all didn't resonate at all But the fact that she pulled over the minivan because her kid said, I wish I was different. That was actually very real. Like, (laughs) I was like, yes, bitch, you better pull over. Like, forget your friend being held for ransom. Your child wants to be different because somebody was mean to her. Like, stop and correct that right now.
1: Yeah. My mom definitely wouldn't have pulled the car over, but she would have told me that that person sucks and, you know, fuck them for sure. Um, and probably in those words, do you, have you had to diffuse situations like this? Cause you, you have an eight year old, right? Oh yeah. I mean, it gets pretty,
2: (laughs) it gets pretty complex in our house. Like one, my, uh, my stepdaughter's like unusually emotionally intelligent I feel like she always has been for her age she's in a blended family um my family's black I'm very white and we have to have those conversations a lot um and it's always complicated when she has them with me because she'll be like oh yeah so a girl on the playground said I don't want to play with you you're a black girl and yeah it gets oh, it gets really fucking real really fast um which is like why i always want to strangle people that are like why privilege isn't real and our country is post racial i'm like dude my 5 year old is having to navigate this like on the playground because somebody's parent like taught their kid to be an asshole so like Yes, like, so really real shit gets brought up a lot. But then, <sighs> I almost wonder like that aside because my daughter's so sensitive and smart about feeling stuff if if it is more like intense than usual because she won't normally bring up stuff like, "Oh, somebody wouldn't let me play or let me do this." It's more like, yeah, so. I heard like an adult saying something mean about another adult. We're not supposed to do that, are we? Like, it's always very like heavy and complicated.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She knows that does not sweat the small stuff. I mean, that's so that's so tough. I wonder, and this is like kind of a bizarre thought, but like, I wonder if racism is more Potent, like she feels it harder because it's it's strange for a child to be racist now like it's much less common i think than if your whole school was racist and so it's maybe sticks out more when that happens i don't know
2: yeah i don't know i mean i don't know what her experiences on the daily like as a white girl that grew up in a very diverse neighborhood and you know I had a lot of black teachers and my social group was really ethnically diverse like r- racism did stand out and did feel exceptional because i didn't expect it and i kind of lived in a bubble of a military town um but i don't know because i don't know what it was like for like my black friends if they were just noticing more cuz obviously it affected their life in a different way um, so I, and I also don't know like how much now that my daughter just absorbs versus like brings up to discuss now. So like, that's difficult as a parent.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, I'm, you know, glad that you're so thoughtful about it and, you know, have your sort of perspective to bring to it. And that's just fucking awful people are terrible america uh, yeah it, it's yeah it's oof what a country um so <laughs> moving forward from that i have uh, which, a lot riding on the full moon molly <laughs> i know yeah god, thank god no literally thank god i got my period the day the harvest moon that that night and i've never felt so sick I mean, I've been getting my period since I was 13. So for the most of my life at this point, and I don't think I've ever felt that sick. It was like a haunted period. And I, I do think that we've got some powerful moons on our side right now. Hell yeah. So back to the most real world, which is this little town. Um, (laughs) Maddie calls someone named Rob to say that she's dropped off the kids and is, Oh, I guess it's Craig. I don't know why I called him Rob in my notes. She dropped, she goes to calls up Craig and says that she's headed over to the dance studio. Cause she has a lead from another kidnapping victim. So weird. She keeps having to go back there. She says, but she's going to keep looking into it. So she'll be back at Sandra's house in an hour to deal with the ransom. Oh, I guess Rob is Campbell.
2: Oh, okay.
1: So, um, yeah, this is like, again, her third errand or fourth errand that she's run while we're waiting for the ransom call to come in. Outside of the dance studio, uh, Heather and the caterer Nick are in heated argument. And honestly, looks borderline like it's about to escalate to domestic abuse um, based on off of how these actors are playing it. Um, they like their <laughs> their body language is like we both feel that the other one owes us something. Yes. Yeah. Sapphire is setting up a lady for dance lessons, which which happened to be um an auto pay situation. So at in order to sign up for this dance studio, they take all of your banking information, I guess. That's a huge part of the plot here is that they literally need to know your net worth. So let's play 5115 to 5230.
4: I didn't know exactly what I was looking for or who. Let's see, we got the usual suspects, the ever charming Heather, and her dear sister Regina.
7: It's expensive. (laughs) Well that's why not everyone takes classes here, sweetheart. Hello again. Maddie, how are you? Any word on getting Sandra back yet? Not yet. Oh, well you know that Nick, he's going to be catering here again. Because of Heather, of course. Just, just makes her look stupid. But not tall. Pardon? No. Ask your daughter.
4: Um, I'm not comfortable leaving my bank account information. Well, then you'll just
5: have to leave the full deposit for the month.
4: Maybe later. Thanks.
7: <laughs> Riff raff. Well, I guess it's time for me to go get ready for the big competition.
4: Wondering who has access to those bank account numbers.
1: All right, so. This seems to be on the middle of a weekday and this dance studio is hopping with full grown adults who (laughs) I would assume should be working based off of how much money it costs to live in this town. Um, But yeah, this dance studio is really hopping. I do remember this was a time when there'd be dating experts on talk shows or whatever. They'd be like, go out for a dance lesson.
2: Mm, yeah. And this was like peak So You Think You Can Dance era, I think.
1: Although I will say that I went to like a psychic astrologist when I was um, maybe 25. And the it was the best reading I've ever had in my life. He was my friend's professor, actually. And he had so many like down to... The very details, things right about my life. And one of the things he said was that, you know, you are supposed to have two marriages in your lifetime. And the first one is where you'll get all your kids from. But the second one is your true love. Mm.
3: And
1: I said, well, like, where am I going to find a husband? And he goes, Oh, you have to campaign for a husband. He's like, You know, this is what is due for you in your life, but you have to like earn some of these things. And I was like, Well, where do I find a husband? And he's like, you should join like some jazz clubs and get like a high end membership at like a, you know, a great museum, like LACMA or like the Getty. And I just remember like kind of laughing and being like, yeah, right. Like, who am I going to meet at a jazz club? And like, looking back, like, yeah, this is why I'm not married is because I let my husband who was going to give me my children go because I didn't just sack up and join a jazz club and find a way to enjoy myself.
2: Yeah, it really sounds like you defiantly went against his
1: advice. I dropped the ball. So, you know, Maddie walks away with her eyes on Sapphire and Sapphire does not deserve that. So Nick excuses himself when he's talking to some older woman to go follow Maddie. And now Maddie's in the back, the inner workings of this dance studio, um, where you would assume like the office and the heater is. Um, And she finds a door where people are laughing behind it and the door starts to open. So she hides around a corner and that's when she sees Felice Wertheimer and the dance instructor about to get it on. So Maddie remembers to stay on task and she finds um, she's looking for something that says let's dance on it with that logo, that famous logo that Harriet mentioned earlier. Yes, I tell a MS word. Yes. So she goes to the I'm like, why don't you just go on the computer and print it out yourself, sweetie? (laughs) So she goes over to the copy machine and she finds a master list of bank account totals, which is insane. Like this is this is such this is the most insane part of this whole movie is that this dance place has the amount that every single person in town has in their bank account.
2: That like, okay. Yeah. I guess we're just supposed to accept that.
1: I I know the Internet was at a different place back then, but now come on. That's like a that's a national security issue. So Nick comes into the copy room and asks her if he can help her with anything. And she said she was going to make a copy and found all the banking sheets back there. And he says, pretty crazy, huh? These accounts. I mean, who makes this much money? They probably didn't even earn it, huh? So we've established that he doesn't think people are entitled to their money. Um, And she says that she has to go. She has an appointment for a friend who needs help. And he wishes her good luck and says that he too has an appointment. So she says to herself, Nick Potter, hello, new number one person on my suspect list. Just in time for the ransom call. So she leaves the office and um, the banking sheet behind and... All of the cops are at the house waiting for Sanders 5 p.m. call. Quick question.
2: Do you think the actor that played Nick didn't make it in Hollywood because that's when the Hemsworths blew up?
1: Possibly. I mean, I have to tell you, I can't tell any of the Chris's apart and I don't see movies that they're in. (laughs) So I really uh, the only way I know who Liam Hemsworth is is because he was married to Miley Cyrus. Got you. Yeah. Is that like okay? So you, this is their, your thing now. Your beat is hot boys because that's what you cover on Throb every week. Which, <laughs> by the way, you guys is on Twitch. You guys should totally tune in. It was really fun to do your show. Thank you. Uh, we'll I am. You back. I'm devastated to tell you that Post Malone does have a girlfriend. Who is oh, like no. Hey no she's like a gorgeous asian 22 year old girl and i'm like well i mean what am like how am i supposed to compete with that and trust me i'm still thinking about how to compete with it that's not the problem i am delusional <laughs> But I was very brokenhearted and I sent it to Jen and she told me that like now's just not our time. And I was like, you're right, Jen. It's not our time. But that doesn't mean that Post Malone and I are never going to be together. Uh,
2: I think you're correct. You got to keep the door open. Otherwise, you're just shutting yourself off from it possibly happening.
1: But since you focus on hotties, I have to tell you because you picked hotties for me what's your like top five hot boys? Oh
2: gosh.
1: Um,
2: I think, I mean, like Keanu Reeves is a forever crush for a lot of people for good reason. I think Andre 3000 was technically my first wet dream. (laughs) 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 And it was definitely like the love below speaker box era. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, I really went hard for that album and just really appreciate him. He's really appealing, and all I just, he's my favorite rapper, not necessarily because he's the best rapper, but I just love his voice and his creativity. So that's a big one for me. Oh, who do I even have a crush on now? Oh, well. Um, I recently tweeted, somebody tweeted out like, who, like, who are the childhood, like, either cartoons or movie characters that now as an adult, you're uncomfortable with how charismatic they are. And um, she brought up Gene Wilder as Willy Wonka. And oh, yeah. I really analyzed this because like, I had a passing like unexpected crush and I was trying to analyze it. And I was like, Oh, They totally have Gene Wilder energy, that sort of, like, chaotic, neutral situation going. And for me, like, my first big, like, crush awakening was when I saw Labyrinth when I was really young. And David Bowie as Jareth the Goblin King, I was like, am I scared or am I excited? Am I scared? Or am I in love? And I feel like that's been a theme for me where I confuse fear with romance. And I think I told <laughs> my friend, like, that's why, like, the fact that my husband could probably throw me through a wall, like, keeps our marriage fresh. Because, I'm, like, there's always that somebody, Oh, my friend, An- uh, Andrew Wang, like, tweeted back at me, like, yeah, it's the hold me, obliterate me energy. And I think I still carry that in most of my crushes. There has to be like a factor of chaos in there that
1: is hilarious oh my God, yes, oh by the way, I love that you guys entertain the art idea of cartoon crushes because I was um I mean I don't know if you've ever been out with like a group of like just fucking impossible people and I remember being in this group of impossible people like every conversation was like a non-starter but I was stuck with them and so someone was like they were talking about something I don't remember what and it got unpleasant and someone was like let's change the topic and I was like oh I know like what cartoons do you think are hot
3: Mm -hmm. and they were
1: like what are you talking about and I'm like you never like what are you talking about (laughs) You never thought a cartoon was hot, and they were like, "No," and I'm like, "Not even like Scar from like The Lion King, or even you know, you know, my crush Prince Eric, which was before I was old enough to clock that he's like basically a psychopath." <laughs> but I, yeah, I just I can't relate to people that don't find animals from cartoons or Muppets or any you don't find that hot
2: and acted to be charming and appealing like ugh, come on people what's his name is it jeremy the rat in the secret of nim ugh,
1: and oh, I, I never saw that movie oh. i think i thought it was for nerds when i was a child i was like very i was very discriminatory as a child <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's kind of a baby goth movie
2: to be honest so yeah for nerds but <laughs> yeah, there's a rat who, like, well, in the movie, her name is Mrs. Brisby. Because, hello, nerd speaking here in the book, it's Mrs. Frisby. So, Mrs. Brisby is trying to get help from the rats to move her house. And there's like this guard soldier rat who is so charming. And Mrs. Brisby is a widow. So, you're pretty much rooting for her. The whole time to get together With Jeremy but Oh no maybe Jeremy's the crow Shit I'm like gonna lose so much cred If I don't figure this out Oh, my! there gosh. is probably
1: some person that's mulling this over in their mind. I would say maybe even 12 people listening to this who know the answer and are very frustrated. So take your time. But I will say my <laughs> friends and I have all joked about how we're going to like update our sexual preferences at the end of quarantine, like we're going to come out as like whatever we are next. And I said to my friend the other day, I was like, you know, I'm probably going to say I'm pan just because I honestly, Miss Piggy has changed a lot for me during this quarantine. Like, I've spent so much time with Miss Piggy recently. I'm like, maybe, you know what? Maybe it does come down to who a person is on the inside. Maybe I'm just attracted to whoever's an amazing person. Like
2: Yes. Well, I think everybody's going to feel that. Oh, it's Justin. Justin the rat. Gosh. Okay, got it. Oh, that's a hot name. I just had to get that out of my head or I was going to be stuck. Um, Yeah. No, I am so with you on the Miss Piggy, like, marathon. I, when I was little, I would get upset that I would be compared to Miss Piggy a lot. Um, Because, I mean, I was bold. I was confident. I was outspoken. But, yeah, she's a dream.
1: Yeah, she, when Wags died, when my dog passed away, like uh, a couple months ago, I was like, What do I turn to? And the answer was the Muppets. Like, I brought me so much joy. Um, and, you know, Miss Piggy is just a babe and it is what it is. Sorry if you don't like it. Okay, so let's go to the scene where Sandra makes her ransom call update 5501 to 5556. Sandra? Maddie!
2: It's me. I'm fine, blah, blah, blah. All right, so they want you to take the money
1: to Beacon Park in the men's room at the northeast corner of the playground, in the sink. At 4 o'clock, they come to clean the bathrooms, and that's when you're supposed to leave it.
7: Ooh, the public bathrooms? Oh, and they want to make sure you don't have the police or anyone there with you.
2: Then just leave right away, and... They'll call you. Is it okay if I give them your cell phone number? Of course. Great.
4: That's when I go home, right?
2: Oh,
1: Sandra?
0: Hey, Joe? Not long enough, Detective. Missed it by three seconds. Damn it!
1: Dude, you're such a fast peer. I know, I know. It's a skill. I can tell you have a child. So wait, what are you, what's your beverage of choice right now? Um, I just had,
2: so this is my first time actually getting them and trying them was the sparkling black tea with peach juice from Trader Joe's. Um, one of the people there sold me because the peach juice is the only like sweetener in it. And I'm a big fan of like black tea flavor. So, yeah, she was like, oh, yeah, I stock up because you never know when they're going to be gone. And, yeah, she's right. They're bomb. So I should have. Oh, more. good.
1: I'm glad I thought that was going to take a turn. uh uh-uh, um, good. So it was during that scene that I started to think that maybe Sandra was in on this as well. And had actually kidnapped herself. Because she was so casual about it. But then the other thing was I couldn't help but think how many people I know. That would be like, I don't really want you giving out my number to randoms. Like when she asks, can I give them your number? Like, good thing it was Maddie of all people, because Maddie's like, yeah, sure. Give the kidnappers my phone number. But I have a lot of friends who'd be like, I don't like I don't know. Like, I don't really like giving my phone number out to people. (laughs) What if they sell it? Because you can never put it past a kidnapper to sell your phone number.
2: No, they're going to make money by any means necessary.
1: So they weren't able to trace the call because they weren't on the phone for long enough. He needed 30 more seconds, which I thought was some reason. I thought that was hilarious, but maybe because I haven't had much else to laugh at during this. But (laughs) DeLorean wants to know what she means by the fact that um, Maddie has the money and she's all set. And he tells her, you know, you're not going on this mission. And. Campbell says that she can't go down there by herself. And DeLorean's like, you're not going at all, dude. Like we're not playing. We're playing by our rules. Okay. And you're really an amateur. So DeLorean won't let anyone else go along. He says that there's nothing fun about this. He's got it. So the cops wait in the car. They're doing their little stakeout. And DeLorean doesn't like how many kids there are at the scene. And it is in a children's playground. So that is a good point, DeLorean. Um, And then DeLorean asks if Campbell is gay. (laughs) I know that came out of
2: nowhere. I was like, uh, this is one of the most like cishet reading men or presenting men that I've seen in a while. Like, okay.
1: (laughs) Although I will say 2007 was definitely still a time that that would be a punchline, especially if you think about the people watching this. Like it's probably people in the Midwest like older set or young kids. And that would be a punchline is DeLorean being like, so do you think he's a little, and he like did the hand, you know, back the back hand gesture. So Maddie meets up with the editor who says that she wasn't able to find anything on Nick Cotter. Maddie says that that made sense because Regina said he was wrapped up in criminal activities. So apparently he and Heather were involved, but they don't seem to get along now. He followed her from New Orleans, so she feels bad and she gets some temp catering gigs. Becca says that she found Heather Douglas, who owns an ad, who owns an address in town for six weeks. So she bought this house six weeks ago and Regina never said anything about her being married, but she is to an R. Nicholas Kofner. Maybe that's Nick Cotter's name now. So they never got legally separated, but they got married apparently three weeks ago. It's not that strange considering when this kidnapping started. So try and follow that if you can. The detective goes into the men's bathroom and makes the drop on the money. And DeLorean says now they just have to wait for the mouse uh, to take the chase. Um, right? Also, uh, Officer Rob, like what a pro picking up
2: his collar and putting it right to his mouth every time he's trying to covertly communicate with the FBI agents.
1: Right. Right. <laughs> right. Well, Maddie does a better job. Like her, she's not rocking a big ass bluetooth. Like half the time she seems wired like you have no idea. She has a little like earpiece in. And like what a professional she is versus this guy. So, Maddie and her editor decide that Heather and Nick are working together like Bonnie and Clyde. Being married, they can share the same bank account. They live in the same neighborhood, but they don't have much money. It's all adding up with the original profile. So, You don't have to be married to share a bank account, do you? Uh, No. I'm pretty sure that hasn't been the case since like the 1960s, but I do like that they had to spell that out. So they say that she'd have access to the schedules and the bank account info at the dance studio. It's all lining up. It seems very clear. So the cops wait for the mouse to get the cheese, but there is no movement on the GPS. And then the GPS they have in their car that's supposed to be... I don't know, the master GPS to the one they have in the bag. Suddenly, it has no service. So Campbell goes in to check on the money, and sure enough, it's gone, and the GPS was removed from the bag. So Maddie wants to check out the address. It's in Heather's name. Um, But in the meanwhile, Campbell finds this air vent in the men's bathroom that goes into the ladies' room. And in the ladies' room, there's a manhole. So Campbell finds a loose Oxford shoe (laughs) in the bathroom. right? And picks it up with a rubber glove. So Maddie sees that the address is about two miles south of downtown, you know, the kind of area that would have a lot of cockroaches. (laughs) Where the poors live. Right. I know. I was like, excuse me, like anyone can have cockroaches. And that sounds like I'm defending myself. I do not have any sort of vermin or cockroaches in my house, but I'm like being very protective of that. Like, What do you mean? Like, just because Sandra thought she came in contact? I mean, this is Maddie's worst work in the movie. So Maddie doesn't understand why Heather has her own place if she's living with Regina. So she heads over um, to check out the door in the house. And it turns out that this, this house that Heather lives in, it's like... It's like an empty, spooky sort of place. It looks like they might have sold it with whatever furniture they had in it. It's all like dusty and sort of gross. And when she's coming up to the porch, she finds one of Sandy's earrings on it. And um she's like pretty sure she knows what's up now. Now, I have to say, out of everything in this movie, I kind of like Sandy's earring. It's tacky <laughs> the right way. It's a party earring. Yes, like that is exactly what all the teens are wearing on TikTok now. That statement earring, and someone said today that on Twitter, I forget who they said that statement earrings are basically the hallmark of having Zoom fashion right now. Oh, and that is so it's true. So true. Are you on Zoom all day? Um,
2: I'm on Zoom mostly for Throb, like, uh, I'm working with Brooke to like plan stuff out, and yeah, it's like. When we stream is the only time I put on makeup. <laughs> but it makes a difference like wow. I was never a blush person until I was doing work streaming and on Zoom.
1: Yeah, you guys do run a cute stream over there. I can't you guys, I can't stress enough how like relaxed and chill it is on this stream and how it's like a cute like 2 hour game you play, right? It's like um So it's like Dream Date, Dungeons and Dragons.
2: (laughs) That's the best way to describe it. And then it like usually the when we run the traditional game, it's about an hour. Uh, So it it runs pretty fast. But yeah, it's just like a virtual sleepover is what we do. It's really
1: fun. It's really fun. Um, Check it out. We'll have it linked in the description, obviously, as well as any other social media that Sarah wants us to put out there. Um, you know, I have been offering guests recently. If you have a grinder profile you want us to link <laughs> as well, we can do that. So she hears Sandy crying in the closet and she lets her out and they try to make a run for it, but someone comes to the door and they have a gun. But wait, oh no, wait Molly,
2: we've gotta mention that Sandy has spent this whole time in a strapless bra situation. Right. It, wearing didn't, a tube pop. it didn't even I think I'd be like, okay, you don't have to take off the blindfold. You don't have to untie my wrist, but can you please unhook this strapless bra?
1: Like it was a mistake. And if you think back to when she first put on that strapless bra, she was going to go get a colonic. Like <laughs> this strapless bra like you really want to have your boobs in a weird situation when they're shoving a, a water hose up your ass come yeah, on exactly take Although I wrote that it, it this movie did make me want to get a colonic <laughs>
2: okay have you ever had one? Oh no i'm not that fancy i feel like that's a fancy person thing
1: no, I did one off of Groupon once and it was probably the worst experience oh, of my life. But then I did like a fancy one later on and it was less bad. But honestly, you do feel like you're going to die a little bit. Oh, no. But OK, how do you feel like the next day? Um, I'm not sure I was even really able to register it. Like I wasn't doing it for any reason other than I just was like, I don't know. I feel like people get colonics. <laughs> And I sort of got talked into it. And then after the fact, this woman gave me this chart and it was like a heavily suggested thing that I follow her diet plan. And she basically told me like all of these things you're never supposed to eat at the same time. And the main one was like meat and potatoes. Like you were supposed to never eat meat and potatoes at the same time. And I'm like, oh, so you mean my entire childhood was a lie? Right, That was every single night growing up is meat and potatoes. Like, come on, lady. So um, Sandy's back at home now, and she's sharing her version of events with someone who looks like a secretary. I don't know. It's like she's this woman who's taking notes, and I feel—I don't know. I felt bad for her. She looked uncomfortable in her chair, and she has this woman— and recapping her last 24 hours. So, Campbell and Maddie catch each other up. Um, and then we're going to hear a clip of Maddie and Sandy going shopping. This is probably one of my favorite parts of the movie and the longest clip we have 105.56 to
5: 109.12. Well, I did try bondage once, but I wasn't a fan then either.
6: The agents are looking for Heather Douglas right now. I'll find this Nicotter guy.
4: Now, that's probably not his real name, but it's what he's using here in Texas.
6: Well, don't worry about it. I'll look into it.
4: Thanks, Rob. Yeah. I don't think I can
2: do this anymore. Do what? I keep talking about this over and over.
4: Can we get out of here? Sure. Where do you want to go? You
2: know that little place on Hill Street?
4: I want something that says survivor. Hey, everyone deals with trauma in their own way. Now these are a fashion statement. Put
2: these in the yes pile. I thought this was the maybe pile. Oh, you're right. That is the maybe pile. Okay. Well, then get those tan... Yeah, they- the bows. Yep, they yeah. need to go in the yes pile, too. That's what I
3: thought.
4: Yep. Mm. Hey, Sandra, do you remember what it was you wanted to talk to me about early this morning when you called? Something about Heather?
2: The first thing you want to do is gossip? Maddie, I'm so proud. I knew you were my best friend for a reason. Well, it might help with the case. Oh, I guess
4: that's good, too. Um, it was a bank statement for Heather. Really?
2: Yeah. Everyone thought she was flat broke, but apparently she was getting regular deposits of 10,000 every few days over the last month.
4: Hmm. Makes sense. That'd be her half of the ransom money. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, look at that skirt. It would go great with these heels. <phone rings> Sandra, can I come in?
3: Uh.
2: I just sat down and the tears started coming. I'm sorry, Maddie. You shouldn't see me like this.
4: You've been through a traumatic experience. That's normal.
2: I felt so out of control. I kept trying to figure out what to do and what it all meant. and Nothing made sense. And whoever
4: did it is still out there. I don't even want to go home. Stay with us for a while. Really? Of course. Just pack an overnight bag and stay as long as you like. I don't even want to go home to do that. Well, then I guess we're going to have to get you a whole new wardrobe right here. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, God, you really are my best friend. <laughs> Those platforms are totally you. You should let me buy them for you. If you insist. <laughs> Thanks.
1: You know, I've had unhealthy coping mechanisms <laughs> this bad before. <laughs> like, I've definitely been in a place in my life where I'm like, you know what will make me relax is spending $5,000 and going dancing.
2: Sure. I, okay, for me, this was Sandy's know me Malone moment. And yes, I mean, this Nomi moment. Malone from Showgirls. Yes. like Because- I- yeah let me tell you like they've played sandy so um one-dimensional and unlikable and they're like wait we have to give her depth and she has to be likable because we have to care so we have to show a little of that post-kidnapping ptsd just like the only way to redeem and make nomi malone interesting and likable was oh she has to save her friend from rape like or avenge her friend from rape
1: yes yeah, I mean, I really fell in love with her in this scene. I mean, who could blame you? This was really uh, some nice depth. I was thinking at the beginning of the scene, it's, it's not possible that Maddie considers Sandra her best friend. It might just be a one-way street with Sandra, where she's like, this is my, you know, you're my best friend. Um, but at the end of the scene, I believed it. Yes, same. I, I was moved. Now, I have to say there's nothing worse than a lifetime version of a shopping spree because, oh, my God, the shoes that they. (laughs) Now, the leopard print, I could understand, but these beige shoes, they had a round toe, a chunky heel and a pat like a bow on them, like a leather bow. It was so aggressively hideous. And I could not believe they made the yes pile. Yeah, that's not
2: how you heal at all. You don't heal what, with beige.
1: What what boutique is this, do you think, like in their world? Like a Larchmont boutique? <laughs> um,
2: I think, I don't even think, oh, I guess they were at a boutique. Yeah, it's, it's not Abbott Kinney. It's probably Larchmont. I mean,
1: it is what it is. I'll tell you that. There's a nice wow.
2: mix of old rich lady boutiques and young hip boutiques together.
1: While we've been recording, by the way, Trump uh dropped an F-bomb on Rush Limbaugh. So
2: <laughs> I mean he's on steroids. They're not gonna be able to rein him in. Those shit like I used to have to go on steroids all the time for the aforementioned asthma. And yeah, you get you get Buck Wild.
1: I you know, I was thinking to myself the other day, it's so weird he hasn't tweeted like an F-bomb yet. And <laughs> He just had to show me. He was like, oh, Molly are thinking in your head. I've never said the F bomb on Twitter. I'm going to go say it on Rush Limbaugh where he's going to (laughs) collect the pine for that. Although I feel like he's been relegated to some sort of like Anthony Cumia style, like bad network where like Gavin McGinnis and other trolls live. Oh my Uh, gosh. Yeah. Do you remember Gavin McGinnis when he was cool? Yeah, I do. I was
2: just think, thank you. I was just thinking about this the other day. Every time he comes up, I instantly remember um, when Jezebel was really popping, somebody on Jezebel did a whole bit, an article by making Gavin like wear heels, do um, a waterline, like a full eye with waterline eyeliner and walk down the street and see what it what it takes to be like as beautiful as you're supposed to be. Just so like, I think he had said like, this is what a woman needs to do. Like, this is, this is the formula for success if you want to get, like, a guy. And so she made him do a lot of the stuff. And he was like, oh, my gosh, this is torture. This is terrible. And I remember being amused. And then I was like, wait, the Proud Boys founder is the same dude?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's difficult because... In a a money-making sense, I do think that there is something smart about once you've been sort of cast out from, like, the leftist side of things, which I think is what he did when he wrote that terrible thought catalog piece about trans people, which is, like, unbelievable that Gavin McGinnis ended his career as a cool person on thought catalog. But he... Oh, you know, he went super far right, and he wound up doing, you know, Anthony Cumia's radio network, and that's where he came up with Proud Boys. And I, I have to say, just from like a business angle, I, I do respect people going like alt right, just because I'm like that is there's <laughs> money, that, there's money there, uh, there's like, absolutely
2: for... money in there,
1: and like you know, but I mean, of course, I can't stand by any of it, but like from a you know, the Capricorn in me does have to say, I respect that you found a new audience to exploit. And he is sort of cool for them, but it's like unreal that he's at home, like recording his radio show about live streaming the debates. And like, he hears proud boys and he got like a big heart on for it or whatever. Like, it's so dark. Cause I'm like, you're still an internet creator. Like you're still someone that gets the, you know, the hit of, like, of you know, dopamine from being recognized by the mainstream and i realized that like for him you know that's that's kind of huge to be brought up in a debate but it's like dude what happened to you like you were a cool guy once like you know obviously not on the inside but yeah, then it's the obviously aspect. not it's the other aspect of like he's not even from here dude like he was born in like yeah, like the UK and then moved to Canada as yeah, a child I was gonna
2: say wasn't isn't he Canadian? Like, what stake do you have in this? I mean, and I guess that's like, it's just purely, well, other than ego, like a capital venture.
1: Yeah. I feel bad too. Cause his, I like, you know, his wife is very much a quiet person and I can't imagine what that's like for her in her town. That know? would be rough. That would like, I was talking to Brooke the
2: other day. <laughs> we were talking, so my husband just retired from the military and she was like, Oh cool. Like, so, you know, does he want to do anything? And like right now, no, like he's handling the distance learning and, everything while I work. And, um, I was like, Oh, but you know, he's talked about wanting to be a mayor or something, maybe like trying that out. And (laughs) again, I was like, well, what do they do? But then we were like, Oh, but then like your spouse can't be a politician, like above city council member or parks and rec director. Without having to get involved and be in photo ops. And that just sounds like hell for me. So I feel like having a spouse that's not just controversial, but like so public, I would,
1: I don't think I could handle it at all. And it's also where your kids get put into like Claudia Conway territory. Oh my gosh. Yeah, exactly. Like- Where I feel so split on that because, like, there's so many reasons why we probably shouldn't talk about what's going on over there. But there's also so many reasons why I feel like we have to. Because, like, not only is she speaking out about sort of, like, the abuse that she's been, at, like, suffering her entire life, but, you know, she's... Her mom has national security secrets and like there's (laughs) so much coming out of that house that it's like, I kind of do feel like it is our business. And if anyone is to blame, it's her parents for putting her in that situation at birth because like you are kind of a public figure by association. I don't know. It's true. it's, It's tough. It's tough. I feel, I feel very conflicted about it because there's, you know, so many reasons why I, follow her and i want to keep up on her situation but i do think the whole you know she's our whistleblower thing is a little bit misguided for sure like mm-hmm. this is you know unless she like greets us with trump's skull someday on her oh, no <laughs> oh, no oh no you know, hypothetically i don't know whatever so you can unsubscribe so <laughs> Madeline and her husband been- are getting ready for their date that night and he compliments her new dress and she's like, yeah, it's from Sandy. And he says, you know, is she really ready for something like this? And Maddie's like, listen, okay, she slept 15 hours last night and she wants to go out dancing. It makes her feel alive. Look, she she a whole new outfit. last yeah. night."
2: Sandra is too fun loving to give a shit about catching her kidnapper. <laughs> That's what I wrote yeah. in my notes. Like, I appreciate that about her.
1: She's like kidnapped. That was yesterday. Okay. I'm ready to move on. I'm not gonna live my life in fear. So everyone is all dressed up and dancing at the studio that night because it's the big competition. So this has been 24 hours. And Ramon says he's going to do a show. Uh he's gonna show everyone how to do the real cha-cha and what it's supposed to look like. And he'll be dancing with his old partner sherelle and i don't know if she's brought in just so that we're less concerned about sapphire at the end because i think it's presumed that she takes over the dance studio Mm. spoiler alert but for some reason they bring in this new like exotic lady who's wearing a cutout on her dress that looks like bella hadid at last year's met gala so there's this very long awkward scene of them doing the cha-cha It's impossibly long. And Maddie catches up with Campbell, who says that he found Nick's other shoe at his apartment with no sign of him being there. He must have gotten out of town. Maddie asks if there's been any word from Heather. And Campbell says, no, they did find her car outside of Nick Cotter's place, though. He says he's going to go and hang up. So Craig says that he's really Craig. Uh, he says that he's really surprised that Regina and Tony are there. And she's like, well, aren't there. And she's like, well, I'm not. I mean, her sister's being accused of kidnapping. She thinks that Heather probably just got busted. So we can't, he goes, I can't believe that little redhead is behind this. And the way he says it is so mean. I'm like, Jesus, like you didn't even talk to Heather at the party for all I know. Like, what? how have you formed this mean opinion about her?
2: Yeah, that's I mean, that's the universe we're in in this movie. That's the default.
1: So the dance number finishes and Felice wants to make a special announcement. She and Roman got married this morning. So they're going to have one more snowflake dance. that That's what they call it before the competition. So they have to change partners every time they hear the chime and they'll be mixing up styles of dance the whole time. And I'm like, oh, great. We get a scene. Can you imagine what this choreography day must have been like? Yeah,
2: it would. It's a lot.
1: I mean, I definitely I will say I noticed. I mean, maybe I
2: wasn't watching that carefully in the beginning, but I felt like I noticed a lot more like, oh, you're a ballroom dancer. You're a professional dancer.
1: At the Mm -hmm. end versus the beginning. Also, please don't be hard on yourself about how hard or not hard you watched (laughs) this movie. Okay. It was a challenge. There was like
2: so much going on. And then there was the plot.
1: No, I'm going to pull the van over and tell you to not be so hard on yourself. (laughs) Because you are worth it. Okay. You're very, you're valid. Okay. So, um, you know, there are more ladies than gentlemen there, so take whatever partner you get. And the dance begins, and on the third chime, Sandra and Maddie partner up. And Maddie gets a call in her ear from Becca, and she heads outside to talk to her. Let's play 114.49 to 115.52. Becca, what's going on? It's Heather.
4: Yeah, I know, they found her.
5: They found her, all right. Dead. What? In the dumpsters at Nick's apartment. And they say that she's been dead since late last night. Jeez, Nick. What was his real name again? Nicholas Koffner? Right, R. Nicholas Koffner. But I haven't
4: been able to establish that alias yet. This doesn't make sense. Why would he kill his wife? This whole thing has been about money. They were making a ton of money together.
5: Well, maybe she tried to take his ransom money. It just doesn't match the pattern. Well, whatever his pattern is, he is dangerous, that's for sure. And he's still at large. Get off that ear thing already. guy! you make me want to puke. Puke? Well, not literally.
4: Sandra, didn't you say you saw a puke purple car right before you got abducted? Yeah, so? Come on! Becca, I think he's here.
5: I'll call the cops. You hang tight. And if you see Nick, act natural. We don't want to lose him again. Got it.
1: So, everyone is still dancing inside. And... You know, this purple car, it's, like, it's a very specialty. I don't know any mainstream car. Like, it's like a Toyota Corolla that's been painted purple.
2: Yeah, it was strange.
1: I wouldn't kidnap in such a noticeable vehicle, but that's one of my very many (laughs) notes. So... Everyone's still dancing inside and Maddie thinks to herself that this is all too much to absorb. I mean, Nick has been kidnapping women for money and last night he murdered his secret wife, Heather. Was she taking more than her share of the ransom? And now he's at a dance party? Ramon asked Maddie to dance and she asked him about Nick and Ramon says that he's not going to be back there anymore. They found out that he was stealing records, personal info about the clients. He says that he's heard of some kidnappings and that he hopes Nick has nothing to do with it. And Maddie says he may and his car is outside. Uh, Ramon asked him if, asks her if she knows that he has a criminal record. So before she can answer, the dance competition begins. And he tells her that some, he has some personal information about Nick that may be helpful. So he leads her to a back room and Craig catches it out of the corner of his eye, but he doesn't do anything. So, Campbell's at Heather's house now looking for more info, and he just released uh, his stakeout team. So he's alone, and he goes back into Nick's place to check out the crime scene. The phone rings, and the voicemail picks up. It's Nick, and he says on the phone that he is tired of doing this push-and-pull relationship with Heather, and then he's left town for New Orleans last night. He's going to come back for his stuff, but not for her. He's done, and he hopes that she's happy with that weird husband of hers. Freak. So Campbell tells the person that he's talking to to check the airlines. Ramona's going to kidnap her, but thankfully she has her childproof mace. So this is everything I guess that happens in this scene. Sorry, my I should be you know as hard on myself as you were just then. I <laughs> really, let, I really let the shit hit the fan. Okay, so that's everything that happens in the next two scenes. We're going to hear one eighteen oh four to one twenty one forty one. This is the very end of it all, you guys. It's
3: such a shame what's been happening to my pro-clients.
7: Maddie! Just a second.
6: Sandra Danes, Harriet Gorda. Must stop. We must put him away.
4: How did you know about Harriet Gorda?
6: Nick. Nick mentioned it, I think.
4: R. Nicholas Kaufner. Ramon Nicholas Kaufner. Ramon
3: Wow.
6: You can't shoot me. You just don't have it in you.
4: You think I'd let you kill me? Yes. You know why? Because I have a secret passage out of here. And no one would ever find us. Secret passage, huh? I guess you know the sewer system pretty well.
6: Why? Because to people like you, I'm
4: nothing but trash, right? No, because that's how you got Sandra's ransom money maybe heather did that dirty work
3: my wife is my business which one you will think
4: you are so superior back off but even you you were following my lead you were eating out of my hands that's true once you knew i was on to heather you figured you'd throw off the scent by feeding me false clues to frame nick Nick, the loser, ex-con, ex-boyfriend that Heather could never shake. A perfect target. Yes. And after I solve the jewelry theft, you know I noticed her shoes, so why not frame Nick with his shoe? Then Heather ends up in Nick's dumpster. Genius.
5: Why would I kill Heather?
4: You and Heather are making some decent cash for a while. Once Felice came along, you realized you could do much better. With Felice comes real money, power, status, a position in high society, a better car. And after teaching all those rich women how to dance, you'd finally get a piece of the action. And Heather was the only thing standing in your way. So what? She threatened me. She said she would tell Felice everything. So you killed her.
3: (sighs) My
4: turn. She got what was coming. You think I'm low class? She was the lowest. It's not your class that makes you inferior, it's your greed. You get all that? See how technology takes the fun out of everything? Freeze!
6: Oh. Maddie! Maddie, are you okay? Yeah. Nice work, kid.
1: All right. She did it. So tidy. She she sure had her monologue put together for the end, considering she was such a space cadet this entire movie. But I guess that's what makes her a writer. Uh, Yeah.
2: My notes say, oh, yeah, she's a columnist. (laughs) I
1: forgot. (laughs) And when she said, I wish that, like, when she says, see how technology takes the fun out of everything. I wish that that had been some sort of through line, like because the way she says it, it sounds like this was a big lesson in technology.
2: Yeah, it dropped a ball completely.
1: The reason why I called it childproof mace earlier was because when she was going into Nick and Heather's house, she said, oh, well, I have my childproof mace. Which made me think about how in the greater picture of this series, there's no way that Inspector Mom ever wielded a weapon. And I realized that there has to be an episode where she uses hairspray and a lighter to get <laughs> a criminal to, like, get away from her. Like, of course she doesn't have, maybe the karate classes, I don't know. But of course she never handles a weapon. Yeah, no,
2: that wouldn't be appropriate.
1: So Ramon gets arrested and carried out of there and DeLorean wants to take him, but Campbell's like, no, this is my jurisdiction now, sweetie. Um, But you can stay back and take some statements if you want. So he really put him in his place. Um, Everyone wants to see him get arrested. He's put into a police car and Craig tells Maddie that he loves her. He doesn't know what to do with her, but he loves her. And Sapphire tells everyone that she understands the problem is over and that everyone's going to be safe. And if people want to go home, they can, but she welcomes everyone to stay and dance. (laughs) Can you imagine? No, she says, I think we could all use a little waltz, don't you? Like, (laughs) no, go home. Like a woman's body is in the dumpster,
2: but sure, let's go ahead.
1: Yeah, Sapphire also could work on her coping mechanisms. I mean, obviously she's in a state of shock, but like, come on girl. Like this, is it's time to shut it up and go home for the night. Maybe Sapphire doesn't feel comfortable at home. I don't know. (laughs) But, um, then we go to, um, Sandra's flirting with a new man already. Felice has also moved on and DeLorean tells agent Reynolds that they should do a dance too. So all of them are dancing the night away. Maddie writes on her gateway laptop in her bed. Um, let's just play this one little clip of her tidying up the scene, because in Lifetime, you know, they're going to embarrass you by making it so obvious that this was just so simple all along. Um, 124.40 to 125.20.
4: This week's Inspector Mom? Easy. No matter what our age, we all want to fit in, feel popular, have more money, status. But I hope we take the time to remember that it's not how much we have, it's who we have. And if we can learn to appreciate that, then maybe it's easier to face what life brings us highs and the lows, the happy times and the heartaches, even the ups and the dips.
1: I mean, I'm such a dumbass because I never realized that the B plot of her daughter being bullied was a notion that was supposed to do anything with the A plot.
2: I mean, yeah, I, that's not your fault.
1: <laughs> now I'm
2: pulling over the van.
1: They did not help you realize. That. <laughs> Thank you for pulling over the van on that. Because, And, you know, now that I think about it, this is their way of this is now I have a better sense of what Inspector Mom the series was like, because it probably was these insufferable side stories about her children just being children. And yeah, um, I do want to read one review before we sign off i know you have a life to get to and this has been a a recording a whole thing but um okay so someone g404c writes on march 8th 2007 this is a good mystery flick that aired tonight on lmn it's a part of a series that is a broadcast on LMN's website. Danica McKellar is Maddie Monroe, a sweet and beautiful wife and mother living in a nice suburban neighborhood. She also happens to be a part-time detective. Kidnapped in 10 Easy Steps has Maddie and her handsome husband, Craig Drew Waters, taking ballroom dancing lessons. But when several women taking lessons at the studio begin disappearing, Maddie decides to investigate. I liked that the first Inspector Mom movie was aired on LMN last fall, so I was thrilled when I learned Kidnapped and 10 Easy Steps would air. McKellar is very camera, camera friendly, and Waters turns into an excellent performance in the role of her husband. Also worth mentioning that is Carolyn McCormick, Susanna Gibb, Ryan Brown, Dan Horton, and Lar Park Lincoln, all of whom perform well and look great. This is a solid mystery, and it has a lighter feel to it, by and large it's completely <laughs> different than brad keller who also directed a killer within this is an eight out of ten star review can you imagine leaving eight out of ten <laughs> stars on this movie i mean that's
2: definitely not somebody from the studio definitely not
1: i mean only four people had the balls to rate this one star <laughs> well. seventy, people. i would say that at the most of them were 19 of them are 10 star reviews and six of them are 13 star reviews i mean what was going on in 2007 i
2: apparently not enough because this was the jam for way more people than i would expect but uh, a rich tapestry
1: (laughs) that was that you know um that was that movie (laughs) love love the miss piggy lavender nighty, though at the end (laughs) I do, and I like that she and her husband dance alone to no music. I was also <laughs> jealous a little bit of her lap desk that was on her bed. Right. I have to get one of those. Aspirational. I do kind of want one of those desk beds that, like, slides over the entire bed. Have you seen them? Oh,
2: that would be great. No, I mean, well, like, yeah. No, I've never... Even if I did, I wouldn't keep it in my brain because... Why would I even get that for myself? It's a great idea.
1: Yeah, it's bordering on like that should be for people that just simply cannot leave their bed. (laughs) Like that's for people who are battling stage four cancer, people who can't walk anymore or have never been able to walk. And also the severely depressed. (laughs) And I think the first time I saw it, I might have been severely depressed. Uh, So let's scratch that on the desk. A lot of us um, could use it now. You guys, thank you so much for listening. Sarah, do you have any final thoughts as we wrap this up? Um,
2: girl, <laughs> they're it's gone. Okay they're
1: absolutely <laughs> gone at this point. <laughs> they're all gone. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, all of your information is in the description. I am so thankful that you came and spent this afternoon with me. And you guys have a great week. Bye. Bye.